Editing Kevin here. Just wanted to let everyone know that this was recorded at the Grand Narrative in Atlanta. This does contain spoilers for the event and for the narrative going forward, so please be warned. Also, this was recorded in our hotel room after the event, so the audio quality might be different than what you're used to hearing. Thank you for listening. We are 50 minutes, although we're going to edit this down a little bit. But, gonna, uh, we keep talking. We're yeah. good. We can have a four-hour episode. Rob isn't going to edit that. If, no, you and I will, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not editing this shit. You're recording it. And welcome to Preferred Enemies. I'm your host, Kevin. Dennis. And we're here at the Grand Narrative in Atlanta. Yep. I don't know if this is going to be its own episode or if this will just go into another one, but uh, we'll part one. It from there. Yeah, part <laughs> one. So we just got here. Today's Thursday, so it's the day before the event starts. Yeah, I guess we can just kind of briefly describe the day so far and what we've what we've done. Been very busy, been exciting. I think both of us flew in today. Mm-hmm. I actually ran into a grand narrative person who we actually met, Joe, and we met him in Kansas City. He played Votan there. Very nice. He won Best Painted there. And so, I, yeah, I chatted with him on the flight. He also then let me know, yeah, the world champs have started and it's just crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we get here. Technically, it, it's day one or day zero for us. World champions are already going on. So, that was kind of neat to see. And that room was super cool because they had all of the different flags on the background, you know, hung up on the wall. They had just rows and rows of tables for both Sigmar and 40K. So good turnout. They had a number of streaming tables. Yes. What, five? Five Five streaming tables, three for 40K, two for Sigmar. When I got in there, because I got in a little bit later, so we got registered and got picked up some stuff from the store. Uh, I kind of walked through. They were wrapping up the paint display judging. The few armies that I saw were were really super cool. So if I I didn't realize that it started today, I, I was thinking it started tomorrow at the same time as ours. But um, I, I thought the same, which was my sadness because apparently with them starting today, that meant like the store opened last night yeah. when they all registered, and so like some of the event only things like objective markers. Yep, I really wanted a set of Voton, and um, yeah, those sold out. Sold out very quickly. They did have an incredibly wide range of shirts. So oh, yeah. I picked up a World Eaters and a Corn shirt and almost picked up a couple others. I may I may break down <laughs> tomorrow and do that. I, and I, I will say this as Kevin's talking about the shirts. These are actually shirts you can get from Games Workshop's site. It's on their merch site. Yep. And here they only have like one color, one design for each faction. I'm thrilled that they have all the factions. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you go to the site then you get to pick what color you want of the shirt to be, and you can pick a different action symbol. The one that they had that I really wanted but didn't have my size is they had a, uh, I call it sporting blue, but a light blue Warhammer US Open Open event shirts. Because the ones we had before are black, and they're nice shirts, but I have a thousand black (laughs) t-shirts. I have a thousand sporting blue light t-shirts as well, but that's not the point. But like I like shirts in different colors, so like I that was good. Like I picked up two red shirts today because yeah. And and the corn. other good thing to buy the shirts here is you don't have to pay shipping. Exactly. Uh, I personally picked up the two new uh squat characters from Necromunda because yeah. 
They're here. Forge World's here. This is my opportunity to buy Forge World. Kevin um, talked me into buying them as well. I yeah. blame I blame Kevin for all my poor decisions. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you also got the Grendel Gunderson or whatever. Like yeah. The, the original squat one, who is like the squat mercenary who is just in like the classic squat look with the hammer and the... It's a cool model. I have him as well. I picked him in the, the runt, the ammo runt uh, version of uh, the ammo jack version for Necromunda as well earlier. No idea what I'm going to do with those, but they're cool <laughs> models and I like them. I, I mean, they are. Um, the other thing that I did pick up was the Empress Children, the Legion Sword Palantine guys. Yeah. And that unit I will add to the whole Empress Children stuff I'm slowly getting set up which might be for midwest conquest might be for something else not sure yet but we'll have to get them painted or primed and then painted not the other way around that would be weird and then yeah thanks to kevin and i pooling i was also able to get a print and the print you got was cool yeah, like it's very it's, cool <laughs> i i will admit i'm a sucker for maps yes and this print is a map of the galaxy Complete with the where the Eye of Terror is and the whole rift in the middle to the bottom yeah. side and the two, the light side and the dark side yeah. where the Astronomicon can reach or not reach. There was also a number of other really cool art oh, prints yeah. too. The, oh. uh, they had this Crimson Fist, like not the cover from Rogue Trader, but like that artwork from like the other perspective. So it's more like the head on one where he's got the fist raised. I believe it was the, actually I think it was the third edition Codex cover for Space Marines. But anyway, oh. <laughs> that was a cool one. There was a really cool St. Celestine one. The St. Celestine I really liked. The other one, there was just a Seraphim that was yeah. like jumping in the air. And oh, that one probably was my second favorite. There was a really cool like line art ink yes. custodies one that had like a beast was head. Very cool. There was a horse heresy map of the galaxy, which was pretty yeah. cool. I'm a sucker for the old hammer art style. So there was oh. the Space Marine. Yeah, that's what I thought Space you were getting cover to get and the Eldar. And the Eldar cover. And, like, those are just cool. I love the second edition cover art. I mean, everything. I can it's, see the Eldar one. I have that book. I'm good. The Space Marine one looks too dorky. Sorry. It's, it is. No, the, the art is super dorky, but that's what I love about it, is that it is the... it it, it They had not evolved into the grim, dark aesthetic yet, and I love that. That's true. That's very true. So, I also, like... I also love, and they didn't have it there, but I love the, like... Russian like orcs with like the the fur hats and stuff like that that was in second edition pre Gorka Morka completely different aesthetic than they have now so like I said I just I'm a sucker for that stuff because it's it's fun and neat yeah I mean so the store is there it was open it's great and especially well I was gonna say this is a great place to get Forge World at any of the U S opens it still is but I guess now with the merging of the sites it's a lot going to be a lot easier to just order Forge World so yeah. and then Terminator guys there. Yeah, uh, the Arnold. giant Terminator statue. Was it somebody in your group that said they called it Arnold? Arnold the Terminator? No, no or, I think Zach that actually, did. Oh, Zach did. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Arnold the Terminator, the the life size term, who barely fits in the room. By the way, he, he barely is, fits on his base. He is well, yeah, but he is like he is probably six inches from the ceiling. Like it's oh, it's less. Yeah, it it is tight. But yeah, he's there. He's very cool. We took a picture. We did take a picture, so that'll be posted <laughs> up on social media. I'm sure. Got checked in, you know, went through that, you know, and then kind of did our briefing for the uh, for yep. the narrative. So actually, when I guess when we back up to when we checked in, we stood in line, went through there, got our swag bag for the event. Then they also gave us a tarot card. So we got uh, one of the 20 tarots from the Arcs of Omen. So they're all kind of one of those 20. 
you everybody in the pack, they asked which pack you were, and then they gave you cards from like one of the three piles. I don't know how they necessarily divided it up, if it's only certain ones, but whatever. Uh, they did say do not trade your card with other packs, but you can trade it within your own battle group. So I got card 19, the knight. I got card number one, the galaxy. Yeah. Which, for the narrative itself, I still have my internal monologue of what the Votan are doing here. As I've kept it the same as what they had them doing in Kansas City. Of like, yeah. oh, we hear this command voice. Oh, that's got to be an insane oh, ancestor spirit. It's 100% an ancestor We, we yeah. need to, like, go rescue it and figure out how we can help it. And getting the galaxy makes me think, yeah, yeah, we have to do this for the galaxy. Go us. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know fully what those are going to be involved oh. with yet because they, they – and they even said that, like – well, keep, keep your card with you. You can trade it within your battle group, but not with other people. It'll have some effect on picking matchups. Right. And they but there's did, other effects. They did they didn't explain, explain that. Yeah. Like in the normal narrative games we did at US Open the previous two years, yep. you'd have attackers and defenders, and the defenders would pick the table and the attackers would pick who they'd fight. Well, in this round, it's all going to be decided by your fate, your tarot yeah. card. So you, as like a defender, at least you can, you will go to your fated battleground attackers can see who's there. And then that's what Kevin was mentioning. You can trade your tarot card in your battle group to find a more favorable matchup. Yeah. So So you're kind of changing your fate, but accepting a new one. And they mentioned there's other things that are involved in that too, but they didn't go into detail. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Especially with three battle groups, you know, three packs, it's not as, I mean, it's 300 people, so there's plenty of matches <laughs> and stuff, but it, it's just not quite as clean cut as it was like in the smaller ones where it's like, okay, so you guys were seeing these guys, just pick your matchups. So uh, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. I'm sure they know what they're doing. I just, I'm interested to see how the mechanics of that play out. True. And and like you said, I'm sure they'll have other things either for in-game or narrative purposes. Yeah. I'm expecting the narrative purposes. That's why I'm. my goal will be to keep Absolutely. the galaxy because yeah. I like that card. Absolutely. No, it's a cool card. And I know you're probably going to try and trade and get a warrior type card. I would love to get the young warrior. <laughs> so actually, that's we'll take a step back as well and we'll talk about our armies very briefly. So I would like to get the young warrior, which I think is card 14, which is the Farsight card. If you remember the Arcs of Omen, there's they put up these little videos, I think, once a week with the tarot card and then like a little like, you know, poem or whatever about it, you know, and it would tie into the narrative. So like one was like the beast or the murder horde or whatever. And that was right before the Angron book and stuff like that. Or the card I have now, the knight, which is the one that came out right before they revealed. Um, well, before they revealed uh, Lionel Johnson. Oh, it's coming back. You know, the knight. Oh, the knight's not yeah, the warrior. Yeah. Sorry. My so, bad. but the young warrior is farsighted. Yeah. And it's like the picture on the image is a human holding the sword. Dawnblade. So, like, I would like to get that one just because that'd be cool. If nothing else, I would like to have the card because the card's cool. And that goes along with your army. Yeah. So, the armies that we're playing. So, you mentioned that you were doing Votan. So, yes. go ahead and just kind of explain sure. your army and, like, what uh, they're... Yeah. Very, very simple army. I mean, there wasn't many choices to make because the Votan have very limited selection. I will. So, yeah, I've, I've I got... that same issue. <laughs> I've got my calls. I've got my Grimners. i got my Iron Masters. I think I brought everything except Berserks, because I didn't have them painted. One of us covered you on the Berserks. Okay, so thank you for Berserking for me. <laughs> but, so yeah, the, the whole story and theory, because I played them at the other narrative, I wanted mm-hmm. to continue their story on, even though it's New Crusade, new, you, you reset everything to zero, yeah. 
And, well, my, my list is a little different because I actually can put more in it now that our points have changed. Addish, yeah, additions <laughs> changed, points, points have changed. changed. Votan yeah. are actually good now instead of bad. Oh, right. But, no, and so, like I mentioned earlier, we got the call to come to we this sector. We were kind of already investigating it because want to get resources, new area. Let, let's try and come here. Capitalism, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're trapped here. So this command note is like saying, hey, you want out? I can help you. So, yeah, we're like, yeah, we like that. We still think you're an ancestor core, even though we haven't talked to you directly yet. So... I mean, I also think it's an ancestor core just from like reading, <laughs> just from like reading the briefings and like seeing the little video that they had like on loop. I'm like, no, it's 100% an ancestor core. <laughs> well, and the only reason I was saying that because I am Votan, but, but we'll, no, we'll I also see. think it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll it, see. It would make sense because like this is all a new narrative and stuff like that. And like that, this, uh, it would make sense if that was the case. Yeah, I, I would be sad if it is the case and someone destroys it because you know why? Because mm. then there's going to be some grudging. <laughs> Every day I'm grudging. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but so, yeah, so we're in the other smaller narrative for my battle group is it's a lot of Imperium forces that have been beat down and retreated and retreated. And now they're just trying to hold the line and the vote. I'm the only, well, I shouldn't say the only. You're one of few Votan <laughs> Well, I know I, I was going to, I'm the only Xenos army in our battle group of everyone else's Imperium except for one. Yep. Because they're questionable because it's Alpha Legion. Sure. <laughs> and so the story there is, well, we reached out to the different things. Didn't get any calls back from Votan. Because as Kevin said, I think we've heard of four, maybe, counting myself. Yeah. And that's an exceedingly low, low, low number, like four out of 300. Um, but the answer to the call, we got all these Imperium guys. So we made a deal with them where... We'll help keep their ships in repair because we're the Emir. We, we have the technology and give them supplies. In return, we get to salvage the planet and try to find what we want and just take it. So that that's our goal, We which allies with the, hey, let's go find out if this is Ancestor Core. If it is, take it with us. If it's not, destroy it. <laughs> um my backstory is much less much less complicated. Uh, I'm a world leader's army. We want to kill. The <laughs> compl- a little more. Yeah. The complicated part or the, the complicating factor is this is a Tau army. On Arthas Moloch, when Farsight like saw his visions of, you know, falling to corn, he just fell to corn. This is basically like I converted up the entire army using Tau units. Uh, crisis suits became eight bound. Stealth suits became berserkers. Fire warriors and pathfinders became... Jackal's Farsight became a demon prince with wings. I used Shadow Sun as a master of executions, which I think works with the uh, with stealth the stealth suits. suits. I had the bodies of a couple of like blood crushers left over from like some Age of Sigmar stuff. So I I create I kit bashed a couple lords on Juggernauts using Cadre Fireblades. <laughs> I converted a Lord of Skulls out of a half of a Lord of Skulls that I had left over, I believe, from when I made my Chitin Demon Engine however many long years ago that was, <laughs> and the upper half of a cell, uh, storm surge that I somehow had. Like, I had the upper torso, but not the legs. So, <laughs> smash them together, and now I have... How did you have the upper torso? I don't legs? know. I Guys, like, for real, <laughs> I think I have a problem. <laughs> we just, I moved some boxes out of my garage, and I found a land fortress and a unit of, of Terminators, the, the Voton Terminators. The Hearthguard. Yeah. 
So, like, just randomly, just have that in the box somewhere. No, that's a sign that you need to start working on your Voton for next year. Uh, Maybe, but still. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, I, like, legitimately might have a problem. So, yeah, so I made, so I kitbashed this World Eaters army. I'm going to run it using World Eaters. It was a really fun army to make. It was fun to get back to painting Tau because I hadn't painted Tau in a long time. Working with the models and painting again, like, actually gets me excited. It's gotten, gotten me kind of excited for eventually getting back to my Tau army and, like, Repainting it no, up to that would I, up I, to like a different a new standard and like making. I it look don't good. even associate you with Tau anymore. I know because it's been so long. It's been like seventh Fifth edition. Of, yeah, yeah. It was it was seventh edition. Okay, sixth or seventh edition. It's been years. Um, I played the heck out of it for a very long time, and I got tired of the static gun line. And that's for the longest time. That was the only build that mm-hmm. even worked. And I just haven't got back to it. But I, I mean, I still I haven't used. I haven't used my town art yet. I want to get my town art. I'm going to play with my oh, town art. I, actually, I haven't used it yet. I forgot you had one. Yeah. Yeah. Rob painted it for me. <laughs> so we need I, to have your town art, his I, town art versus my. He, yeah. he, he painted my town art because I bought his. Right. And I was like, I will buy one if you paint mine. He's like, okay. I'm like, all right. We're, this, we're good. It's a beautiful paint job. It's the best painted model in my town army. <laughs> a mile. Uh, which is why I want to go back and repaint my town army. But yeah. So it was fun army to make. It was fun to convert. I tried a bunch of different tricks and stuff with this one. I uh, slap chopped the shit out of it and used the blood red uh, army painter speed paint for most of it. And then I did like all of the like gore tricks that I found on YouTube. So like Yoohoo glue and blood for the blood god. I literally used an entire pot of blood for the blood god on this. Like a little like jewelry change and stuff like that. To, like, put on the models to like hold weapons and stuff. I like it, especially considering the fact that I painted that army in two weeks because I also have a problem with planning. <laughs> you mean procrastinating? Mm, yeah, that too. <laughs> so, like, I painted this army in the last two weeks. That's li- literally in the last two weeks because I started on, like, the second. <laughs> so, so most of the time when you hear Kevin, they're like, yeah, I don't have hobby progress. And then all of a sudden, hobby progress. Oh, I shit. did a whirlwind. Oh, shit. Something's <laughs> coming up and I have to get this done. But I will say that's another good thing for going to events. Yes. Is if you go to an event, you get that deadline. And sometimes that's what we need to get stuff painted. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the armies that we're bringing. So I'm Pact of Annihilation. You're Pact of uh, Enlightenment. Enlightenment. When we did the final briefing this uh, this evening as well, kind yeah. of the last thing for the evening, everyone got checked in. There was a ton of people there. I don't know if it was everybody, but it looked it like it was, was mostly everybody. The, the, the whole floor that we were on was just packed. Yeah. I mean, I knew this was a big event, but oh my gosh, this feels huge. Yeah. Short of LVO, which LVO is on a different scale for everything, like... Short of LVO and like the the GT at LVO, which is I want to say a thousand people, and I didn't play in it. I just was like walking past it. This is the single largest event I've even seen, and easily the largest event I've played in. This is easily double the largest Renegade Open that that we've been in, and even the like the peak year I think 2019 at Midwest Conquest. I think we capped at like 110, 120. And we got more of those and like our my pact has more than that. Yeah. So it's like, so <laughs> this is, yeah, this is like exponentially bigger than everything else we've done. We got introduced to these six uh, different uh, battle zone commanders. So on the, the planet that we're fighting for, there's six distinct battle zones. I don't remember all of them, but I know there was like a Katachin jungle fighter. There was a Bahalan com- uh, commissar. There was a Archmagus. Like a, a Magus from the Mechanicum? Dark Mechanicus. Dark Mechanicus. That's right, because he's black. So there was a Dark Mechanicus Magus. 
There was a rogue trader in this. In there the was satellite. a rogue trader in. The, yeah, there was a rogue trader. There was the um, Eldar outcast for yeah. the forest area. And then what was the last one? That, there was a hierophant who was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing, but he, yeah. I don't remember what. But so those were the. And then, the, well, yeah. then there was a um, mechanicus think that couldn't speak who was handling. Oh, the like scar. a servitor, yeah, a servitor yeah. who was yeah. in the okay. scar, which was okay. the open. Open okay. area was highly roaded. So that's the six. So like, I think there's seven, but or six or seven. Okay, yeah. whatever. So like, what, yeah, however many they were. But there's like, one for the, each of the different rooms. One, yeah, one for each of the different battle zones, and they and we got like profiles on them and the, the player pack and stuff. And then we got introduced to the three packed leaders. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I I apologize because I do not remember his name, but he was the guy who ran U.S. Open the U.S. Open narrative, narrative in Kansas City, and he was awesome. And he was dressed up as a soldier, I guess like an astro militarum, like yeah. like commander who like fell to chaos. Yeah, and he was running around with a giant chain glaive, just yep. yelling at everybody, even before he did like his little opening spiel. He didn't need a microphone <laughs> when he was yelling about uh, blood for the blood god and stuff like that. He actually uh, never was, said blood for the blood god. Sure, his his lunatic ravings yes. of uh, how we're going to kill everything and yes. take this planet. And somehow he came off as the more sane one. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Because when the second one got up there, which is an Inquisitor, he unfortunately wears a death mask, so you couldn't understand what he said. Yeah. And he mumbled because of the mask. Yeah. Even with a microphone, it was hard to it understand. It was hard to understand. And so he's more, uh, his first part was talking about unity. And if we all come together, it's fine. And yeah. then halfway through, he's like, cause we, I need this. Oh, I mean, we need this power. And it's yeah. like, we have to get this power to unleash it on the galaxy. It's like, um, oh no, you're kind of crazy, man. Well, and, and the whole thing is too, is he's kind of doing it in the whole like preacher thing. Cause like, yes. he opened a book and he's reading from scripture and, and it's like, just came off as like very creepy and very like, I don't trust this guy. Granted, like, my group wants to just kill everything. So, sure, like, we're all, we're all the bad guys. There are no good guys here. There are no heroes. There's no this lessons is 40K. Yeah, there's no lessons to be learned. We're all bad. Um, <laughs> and then the uh, the last one was... Uh, I thought she was an astropath, but it yeah. seems like she might be more. Yeah, I was thinking, well, I was thinking she might be like a... Might, Tend to be like a farseer. That could be as well. Because I, I, I think that was kind of the, the, the thing. Hints, yeah. the, 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 and that the, would make sense. But uh, she came up and she was, you know, talking about, you know, uh, pr- you know, giving the the pact uh, pact of resistance, resistance, you know, and there and like uh, and giving her a little spiel for that, which was also very cool. Yeah, her her um, big take is this thing's trying to manipul- manipulate us. We need to not listen to it. Yeah. We just need to manipulate everyone else to <laughs> do their thing so we can get out of here. Which is a very farseer thing to yeah. say. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, very interesting. We've got more more briefings. There's another briefing tomorrow where they'll, like, recap it for anybody who missed tonight. And then, you know, we'll have, like, a, a specific briefings. I just got on, di- on our Discord server, like, where our battles for tomorrow are going to be. Oh, we? We're going to be in... My group will be in... And of course, it's, now it's not okay. loading. I'm in the Strata Sanctoral. We are in the Ice Locked Fortress. That means I won't fight you. That means you will not fight me. Actually, you wouldn't get a chance unless you traded somebody else for the world. Well, we don't know that. What the? Oh, we don't know that. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know how these cards work yet. 
haven't figured that part out yet, which is the cool part. Yeah, so we're in, um, so yeah, so we'll be in the Ice Lock Fortress tomorrow, at least starting out. And yeah, we'll have updates just like that. It's kind of neat. Everybody has their own Discord server. So the three packs of their own Discord server. And then there's channels for each battle group. So you can kind of coordinate, work with your teams, get intel, things like that. Seeing the armies that people have posted has just been cool. Like, it's been a lot of fun so far. So I'm very hyped for tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm That's all. I, that's kind of all I have for tonight. No, that's, but that's it's, the same. I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get. I'm going to try. Yeah. But I think both of us are have excitement, and it's just... Yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, very excited. So, yeah, so tomorrow's day one, and we'll try to record tomorrow night. Or, yeah, tomorrow we'll record part two, and we'll recap for the first day of the games yeah. and see how it's going, see if we can kind of figure out what's going on. I may or may not lie to Dennis, depending on what intel, what intel we need, so <laughs> I don't know. I may, I may be lying to the audience when we record tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we will see. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we will talk to you tomorrow with part two. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40k... X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. All right, welcome back to day two. Day two. Long day. Yeah. Fun day. Exciting yeah. day. My feet hurt. I do not know how <laughs> the hell I played three or four games in a day before. My feet hurt as well, but we'll we'll get into that. My second game was quick. Yeah. So thus I walked around all of the rooms. Sure. Just to well one, look for Kevin, which I did not find him. Right. <laughs> and then we were, two we were shunted off to a side room. And then two, just to see all the other rooms, take pictures, see how the other games are going. So it was a fun, enjoyable day and we got a little rest in the evening before other yeah. big news happened. Yeah. No, it was very cool. They did the big briefing again in the morning, so yes. uh, that was cool. They had they had figured out the microphone stuff, so it was a little <laughs> easier to hear everybody, which was nice. And then, yeah, we kind of broke up and did faction uh, packed briefings. So they kind of gave us like the overview for like things we were doing, and then sent us off to our first battle zones. It was very interesting how they did the tarot cards because in each battle zone there were ten tables i think you know basically uh, set up maybe in the small rooms the bigger rooms had like 20 to 30 well i think it was like groups of 10 yes like they are they 10. are in yeah, groups of 10 blocks Correct. of 10 Correct. so everybody in your battle in your pack or in your battles battle group should have one of the 10 cards correct and then everybody in the other battle group that you were that you're playing against would have the same card so that's your table and so like that and then Later on, you could swap out with if you were the attacker. Did you swap out at all? I didn't. I do want to get the Young Warrior card, but... I know you do. GW, if you're listening, because I know you are. <laughs> if you sell the tarot deck, 
you will make so much money. Because people will buy that. Because those cards are awesome. The art is cool. You need to actually just sell that tarot deck. So I had like I saw like four people asking Zach at the event, like, can I just buy this? And he's like, well, no, it's not, not just mm. Zach. At the store, yeah. they were asking because they'd heard a rumor you could buy it there. And once a rumor hits, especially in a convention uh, like this, yeah. people fly. And so then they had to feel out, no, we don't have that. No, that's not a product. And mm. so, yeah, it, it's it should be. It's there, super there is cool. interest. Yeah. So my first game was in the Ice Fortress. I like that place. I did like that because it was very cool. Yes. Like the AC was cranked up. So like it was nice. I wasn't sweating or anything like that. The second room was a little bit stuffy. <laughs> and not because it was steamed or anything. It was because we got shunted off into like a side room and they just wasn't really prepared. Like it was fine. My first game was against Ultramarines. The other thing that's interesting with this is everybody that's on here is everyone other than me because I, I'm not creative. Picked a warlord name. So everybody's going by an alias. And I just, I'm like, my name's Kevin. Hey, when we signed up, I asked you, what did you put for that? And you said, uh, like, my name, because Kevin. it was my name. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I picked Iron Master Wise the Tall, well, because I'm tall for Votan, right? I mean, fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. It's fine. It was just one of those things where it's like, that's a little weird. So I played Manjo. Strike Force Agamemnon. So he had a lot of the new Ultramarine stuff. He, uh, he had the new Terminators, the new Terminator Captain, several squads of Intercessors, a uh, Gladiator, I believe, which is the, the the smaller vehicle that is just bristling with guns. I was actually a little bit worried because, oh, he had Stern Guard. That was the thing. He had a big block of like 10 Stern Guard. I was a little bit worried because he's like, this is an infantry killing army. And I'm like... Well, guess what I'm running? I'm running a boatload of infantry. And the Stern Guard were a problem until they weren't. Because Stern Guard, while they are absolutely wreck shit and shooting, they fold in melee. <laughs> so, because at that point they're just space marines and not have invuln saves or anything like that. We were playing the mission that was secure the tunnels. What we were doing is we had a deployment zone set up and then we had, I think, six objective markers two in our deployment zones and then kind of two in the middle and then as the game progressed for the objective markers that you were holding you would roll to see if they were tunnels to access other areas and then you get extra victory points if it was a tunnel so it kind of just wound up where we both had you know the two objectives that we were holding so it's hold one hold more kind of progressive scoring and then you get stuff at the end and i just i got lucky both of mine were tunnels so I was just able to kind of like have my jackals in the backfield holding it and, you know, it was good. But yeah, it was a good fight, like back and forth, you know, the rest of the game. Like it was a fun game, you know, was able to, I, I did at one point have Farsight, my demon prince, charge into his Terminator unit. And like we did the epic challenge with them. I completely like gibbed his captain, his Terminator captain, fought on death, took a couple wounds off. The Terminator squad fell back, shot, charged in. Had a round of melee, fell back, shot again. The stern guards shot, and next and then an intercessor squad finally killed him. It took a lot of shooting to kill him. I'll tell you about my a lot of shooting later. <laughs> but, uh, it was a fun game. Ended up with, I think we got through three full rounds, and then we kind of like gamed out round four just to make sure that we had all the points and everything. I did have, like, several units left on the table. Like, the, he had quite a bit left. He still had the Gladiator. He still had 
uh, of like two full, like two five man intercessor squads, the Terminator squad. It was really one of those where like the way the the mission set up was just good for me, and kind of luck went my way, which will be a theme later. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first round. It was good. So for me, I was in the um, sanctum. It was the religious area that the Hierophant character was leading, mm. and there was like little tea lamps on all the tables. Okay, yeah, and I had to walk so, through that to get to the ice fortress. Yes, yeah, you did, yeah. and that's where you're going to be fight tomorrow. Okay. And I actually fought against Eldar. So this was Ooh. Enlightenment versus Resistance because I asked him which one he was because I couldn't imagine Eldar in Annihilation. I mean, they might be, but yeah, he said that. And we got the mission of scattered supplies, where there were diagonal deployment, six objective markers kind of scattered in the middle in a kind of box formation, but nothing directly in the center of the field. Yeah, and this is where the board came into play. Very, very open board. Yeah. And so we made the two big ruinish things. We just said, well, that that's line of sight blocking, just period. And then all of the other four small ones would be forced. But even with those two line of sight blockings, they were blocking no man's land. Mm-hmm. So it was wide open firing lanes between the two deployment zones. And so, yeah, he was kind of scared of my list of having the two land fortresses and four, four Sagittars. Yeah. But I was kind of scared of his list for having a scorpion and a warp uh, hunter. He also had hornets, right? And two hornets. And two hornets. Yeah. Although I'll, I'll do the spoiler thing here. Hornets are not scary. Sure. They are really good anti-infantry, anti-elites especially. Mm -hmm. But against vehicles, their strength six was not much. Yeah. But he was also fielding a wave serpent that had some wraith blades and a spirit seer in it. He had a huge farseer warlock attached to a squad of jet bikes. So like eight jet bikes there. Squad of ten dire avengers. And a wraith seer. The race here was scary because he has a D cannon. Yeah. And yeah, all of his, every time the D cannon hit is, oh, here's your devastating wounds. It's D Yeah. So yeah, I got to eat a lot of those. That's why Sterngard were so tough, like so hard to, to against because they, all of their stuff did devastating wounds. Like the mm. amount of devastating wounds you could put out through psychic powers. Yeah. Like it was a lot. <laughs> it's like, holy smokes. But so in this one, like I said, scattered supplies. You had to get to an objective marker, and then just at the end of your turn, so you didn't have to not shoot or anything, you just, at the end of the turn, you pick it up. If you okay. pick it up, though, your movement speed's reduced to six. Right. Interesting thing. It does not say that a vehicle can't pick up something. It does not say a person who has it cannot board a vehicle. Uh, so. Yeah, because I believe the relic says that Relic it changes, yeah. 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 So, Interesting. I apparently shocked my opponent because, one, I have all four Sagittars and the Pioneers have scout moves. Yeah. So I have a lot of scout moves to do. And so Pioneers were able to get on one of the objectives before the game started. Both Sagittars were able to go and then, on my turn, get two objectives. On, like, the first turn, I had three of them picked up already. Oh, wow. And so that that just initial rush put him on the back foot right away. Yeah, my call, my warlord, our fame thing, which I went for, was stand in the middle of the battlefield. Which, the thing I appreciated this time is it wasn't progressive Mm -hmm. like it was in the previous ones we've done. It was just, were you there at the end of the battle? 
it's much easier to track too because like yes. every time my game ended, game over was like, okay, what's you know. They were like, you know, who won? Who did this? Did this? Did this and just ask like three or four questions, and then that was it. And you got all, you got everything scored. So yep. made that a lot easier. Yep. So I was pushed forward. He was on the back foot, and I still had Thunderkin in reserve and both my Hearthguard in reserve. So I was able to like blow up some of his vehicles early on. He did counterpunch, and truthfully, the Wraith Blades got to the middle of the board. And they were scary. They almost took out the Sagittar that was there, but then they said, oh, we want to kill the call. And they didn't, so I fell the call back, moved some Thunderkin in the way. They took out the Thunderkin. But then at the end of the game area, he kind of decided to leave my call alone and went went after my warriors who were in my deployment zone holding one of the objectives. Because they're at the end of the game, because there's only end of the game scoring in this mission. Yep. You get 15 points for each one you hold, an extra five points if you are in your deployment zone. Okay. But by him killing that squad, they dropped it. End of his turn, he picks it up. And that's when we were kind of like called the game because yeah, time. Yeah. And so he then had three. His Dire Avengers had one in the deployment zone. I had three. And my Sagittar had one in my deployment zone. So we ended up. And a tie. But it was... Had we conned, I think I would have pulled it out because Mm -hmm. I had two squads of the... um, Well, actually, one squad. One champion and one hearth guard with champion still attached. Bearing down on the Dire Avengers, they were not going to live. Yeah. And then the other thing was... Yeah, my whole strategy with the Wraith Blades was ignore them. Because with a Spirit Seer, I, I killed one when he fought in the call. The call punched one and one died. So the call could kill them. The hearth guard could probably kill them too. Yeah. But they were on opposite sides of the map. I, I will give a shout out. The Sagittars were rolling like crazy for the beams. This one time I even rolled <laughs> two sixes on my beam. Oh, so wow. boxcar. So, and then I rolled, unfortunately, a one and a one. So I only got four shots, but still four beam shots was really awesome. That's pretty cool. And Thunderkin were also in, for me, and I knew what they could do, but they were surprised um, against the Eldar because that scorpion, giant big vehicle. Yeah, I'm I'm owning it on twos because nice. anti vehicle two up is amazing. That is pretty great. Yeah, but no, that was a really fun game. I killed as far as here. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing well, and but and I'll take the tie because in my yeah. mind, uh, the Eldar and the, the Votan, we're here for the same thing. We're not trying to yeah, we'll just be no friendly. Ancient, no ancient grudges or anything, right? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was very interesting because like my first game only got through like I said, basically round four. Uh, we kind of like mapped out some of like game four around four like okay we have 15 minutes left what what is important you know to to do the first game just it seemed like it took a it took a while to get started for yes oh yeah and i I don't know why like it wasn't well scheduling or anything like that like we got the rooms at a time it just it just took a little bit well i'll say two things on the one it seemed like there was a lot going on in the beginning of hey Mm -hmm. meet do this go have your faction thing do this one thing I still would have liked is after that, have your battle groups kind of have yeah. a sub meeting too. We were kind of able to do that before round two because there was a little bit of a, of a snafu with our round two like location. No, same on our. So we wound up, they wound up having three Anni- Pact of Annihilation battle groups in the scars, which means that like we would be fighting each other, which while totally on theme, they're like, well, that's not right. We want to try to, you know. So they they ended up 
moving one to a different, you know, swapping battle groups with another room. And then we ended up kind of going into like an overflow room to get stuff set up. But we were in the scars, uh, which is kind of the like waste, yeah, kind of the purple's like wastelandish area of uh, of the battle zones. One thing I do like that that you mentioned there, like with the lack of terrain on your tables, I do kind of like that. Like all of the tables are very like themed for the setting. Yeah. So like, there's you know I was walking past one of them, and like there's one that's like the forge, and it's like densely packed terrain. The forge was very yeah. dense. And I think that, that I think that helps. And I'll say in the deep forest one, yeah. there's some that the mat is like a city block, so they've actually put buildings that fill yeah. the entire thing. So the streets are kind of open with a little debris, but so you've got the firing lanes, but it feels like a decayed city. Yeah. So so very very on point terrain wise, and I like the variety because there are some tables that do feel barren, but like it's a barren area. It's yes. supposed to feel that way. Second round, uh, I ended up playing. Captain Roku, who was playing Dark Angels. He was playing a very elite infantry list. So all all Gravis, all Terminators. So he had two repulsors, he had two units of inceptors with plasma, the plasma culverns, three units of aggressors with flame with the flame gauntlets, two units of heavy intercessors, a blade guard veteran unit, and then like five or six characters which was good for my objectives. And then this was a mission for us. It was screaming into the void. So the way this mission was set up, and again, this is, this is the thing I like about the narrative stuff is that missions do not necessarily have to be balanced. They can be incredibly swingy and it's fine. This is the swingiest single mission I've ever seen. Because <laughs> you line up on the diagonal ends of the corners and Dennis played the same mission. so it's, We did. It was interesting. Because um, Kevin was the attacker. I was yeah, a defender. I got to play the attacker. So we line up in the, the diagonals. There's three objectives on the defender's deployment line. What you have to do is you have to get to one of those objectives and then send up a signal. And it has to last until the defender's turn. The attack, yeah. So, like, it, you get a whole turn. So, like, you get there. And if you're doing it, you can't charge... We'll I actually see. realized halfway through this that I, oh, I was standing on one. I could have actually been doing it while I was fighting someone else, but whatever. So I actually could have done it a second time for more XP points, but I did not need to. And you get victory points at the end of the game based on the turn that you sent the signal up. So if you send the signal up on turn one or turn two, you win 90 to nothing. So I won 90 to nothing. Because world eaters are incredibly fast. This mission is like tailor made for this army. Everyone was like, was like, yeah, I won 90 to nothing. Like, how are you able to do that turn two? And I'm like, play world eaters. Uh, <laughs> because the slowest thing in my army moved eight inches. And then I got the stratagem, uh, not the stratagem, the blessing that gave me plus two inches and the, the blessing that gave me advance and charge. I was assaulting things in his deployment zone, top of one, because I rolled some insane advance rolls. I was assaulting things in his deployment zone, turn one, and had a unit behind them on the objective to, like, send up the signals. Yeah. I And also, like, he kept put some stuff in deep strike, and, oh, thank God he did, because if they had all been on the table, I probably wouldn't have been able to get there, but bottom of two, the... The, the primary mission was right. over. But we, you know, we're still fighting because there's still infamy, fame, pack, yep. things like that to go for. Uh, and he tried, you know, he did several of the things that they needed to do to like, uh, send up signals and things like that. But I did get like my pack priority as I was able to clear out all the back line and keep that safe. 
he had two models left at the end of the game. He had a repulsor with two wounds left, <laughs> and he had a captain who had full wounds. Captain Gravis Arm with full wounds, but it already died once because he had the the enhancement to come right. to stand back up on a two up. That was it. He had those two. I had a, a one single eight bound left in the unit that had like sent up the signal, wiped out two infantry units, and killed like four characters. Like that oh unit just got gosh. work done. That was the easiest mark for glory ever. Because I'm like, who was the MVP of this battle? Uh, the ones who did everything. <laughs> And then I had a unit of berserkers like in the backfield that were just kind of like keeping that clean. But like that was it. There was 11, 12, 13, 14 models left on the table. It was pretty, it was fun. It was a really great game. But yeah, it was, like I said, it's interesting with crusade design because you can have a really swingy mission that is over, but still have a reason to play the rest of the game. So, so, so Kevin, you left two models of his alive. Yeah. I fought against three models in my second game. Yeah. Well, three units of seven models. Seven models. Because it was a Warhound Titan, a (laughs) Prefurian, and then a Squad of Furies. So the one thing that I realized (laughs) that I didn't realize until like literally, I think last week when I saw it posted is since this is a Crusade event, they're like, yeah, you can use Legends. Like, why not? And I'm like, shit, if I'd known that. I mean, I'm glad I like the army that I had, and I don't want to do it, but it's like, I have, like, a different World Eaters army that uses <laughs> uses the, the, the chitin and uses my Spartans and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I could have a whole different army here. Uh, so, keep that. In, I'll keep that in mind for next year. We'll see, I couldn't, because they haven't legended any of my squats. <laughs> <laughs> We've had conversations about the stuff they've legends for me, so... Uh, but, although, uh, although if they do that, does that mean I could, like, legend in these squats from, like, 20 years ago? I hope so. That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't um, own any of them. Oh, man, how expensive the, would they be to get? A yeah, lot. that's what I mean. But there were several, like, Mastodons and stuff yeah. like that. Like, I've seen Warhound Titans and stuff like that. Like, I've seen multiple Warhound Titans. It, yeah. it's That's really cool. I do like that. So, sorry, so, go on. Here. No, you're fine. As Kevin said... I was the defender in this mission, and so as the attacker gets to go first, top of one, bye-bye both land fortresses. They didn't move. They didn't shoot. They didn't get to do anything. So I was like, okay, well, at least the thunder can pop out, and I'll start – I started shooting at the warhound titan who was moving forward. How he positioned his army was the warhound was kind of taking the middle, kind of moving forward. He couldn't always – fit through things so he, I, I could block him off by getting yep. guys in his way. The Profurion was in the back corner just being a firing platform and could not... It was blocked in there. Interesting. And he said he knew he did that but there weren't really good pathing things because those bases are so big. True, true. And then the Furies were there just to try and get an objective. Yeah, fair so um, my target priority was actually the Furies were my top priority. Yeah, because that's the only thing that could actually do the objective. Yeah. Right. Well, the big giant sure. warhound could, but. but yeah. So I sent a squad of the call and his five people that were in a Sagittar, because Sagittars can move far, as we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get there and shoot them and get them dead in the first round. And because killed something first round, but I killed something in round one, both games, nice. which netted me three CP because the Voton. Yeah, yeah. And that's an amazing feeling because, especially in Crusade, you are CP starved. Oh, for sure. So unless you have a character that gives you CP, it, it's so hard to get it because you can't just ditch a 
secondaries. I'm getting a CP this turn. <laughs> well, and especially for the first game, not as bad after that because you have requisition points to spend, but that first game being limited to one enhancement oh, well, really changed. I don't care about the enhancements, it was well, just CP. Well, so like the first game, well, the first game that I played, for example, the Ultramarines player was, he said he was 85 points down. Yeah. Because he's like, well, I don't have anything that's that cheap, and I normally fill it out with enhancements, but I can only take one. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. He's like, it's you know, and it's like that's where he's like the points problem in 40k, it's fine. Like that doesn't really cause problems because you can tweak it with the enhancements. But when you're limited to just one, you wind up with gaps in your in your army and like, until yeah, you're later sucks. on. Yeah, I totally yeah. feel that too. But yeah, so took out the Furies, Thunderkin, and the Sagittars that were still alive were working on the Warhound. I also popped out all the Iron Masters to help out shooting the Graviton because it's a vehicle. I can get my anti-vehicle 2+, plus, and I was doing everything I could. I was whittling it away. Nice. Turn 2 happens. Well, I've blocked his Warhound with... He can't move forward because all the um, Thunderkin are there. So, But he's, he's leaving them there because he sees the Sagittarius as the problem. Two of the four Sagittarius are now dead. So the other two Sagittarius and the Thunderkin are still working on it. I also drop down all of my Hearthguard and fail my nine-inch charges. Fail the rerolls of the nine-inch charges. So there's four failed charges Oof. because yeah, I put the champions in there to re-roll, and I no no none. It, it worked out in my favor, I guess maybe. But then he decided, oh. Those Thunder... No, turn three, then he killed both of the other Sagittars. So now, with them out of the way, because, yeah, Sagittars were in front. So now the Thunderkin moved up, and he was like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to take care of them, because I can't move till they're dead. Yeah. And their guns are actually scary. Yeah. Because I, w- I was hot on my number of shots. I was rolling, like, 12s to 14s almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's 3d6, but that's still hot. Still, yeah. So, yeah, he... Flame, torrent flamered one of the squads away and blew the other squad. I'm like, oh, wow. So Firepower. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, I had been able... This is also the same turn. I had the other Thunderkin that walked in off the edge of the board also helping. So then on the next turn, it was the Thunderkin that finally took that thing down. It made me so happy. Yeah. Because now all he had left on the board was... Burfurian in the corner. Yeah. Which he was trying to kill my call then. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm just going to kill the warlord. But our thing was kind of spread out, get control the board that way. Was the Perfurian his, like, commander, I guess, for no. the, the army? Okay. No. The, the Warhound was. Interesting. Because, yeah, like, there was, there's, obviously there's the fame, infinite things that we've talked about before. But at least for that game, there was, like, you would... Like staying in the back for like reinforcements would get you something. So oh, ours was. That's what I was wondering if that's why. You yeah, ours was not stay in the back. Ours was extend our supply lines to okay go across the field. So yeah. like the end of the game, the call was in one corner. Yeah. I had a Grimnar in another corner, and the Sed- or Iron Master in another corner, and I had people in the middle. Yep. And so I had spread out and I controlled the board. Yeah. But I found out later what ours was was your warlord needed to face fear and shake it off. Okay. A.K.A. when I found out at the end, he needed to pass a Battleshock test. Oh, interesting. Because you're facing fear, shaking sure, it sure, off. Sure. I mean, when you say it, it's all, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's what our fame and infamy was. I don't okay. know what infamy was, but fame was shake it off. Sure. 
Which my, probably failed that battle My call has four wounds. He got down to two. Yeah. But was not low enough yet. That's a tricky one because there's some units that just never, like, eight pound. They never really take battle shock tests because such a small unit. Yeah. If you choose, if you hit them hard enough where I need to take a battle shock test, you've probably killed them all. <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's interesting. That's fair. But then, so yeah, to finish off his Titan, I, I was trying to walk my, one of my other, uh, Iron Masters over with a grab. I had one Thunderkin. I have nine Thunderkin. One was still alive. So he was walking there too. But I was able to get one of my champs and the Hearthguard into melee with the Titan. And that's when I realized I have a really good stratagem. I can spend one CP and for that combat, my melee weapons increase the AP by the number of judgment tokens the target has. That is awesome. So suddenly my AP minus two hammer and fists were now AP minus four. In melee, the knight does not have an Mm -hmm. inbound save. So suddenly his two up armor becomes a six up. And that squad got work done. I found towards the end of the, the second game, I... And again, my own fault. I should play more. <laughs> I remember that there's a stratagem that allows World Eaters, World Eaters melee attacks when you're fighting a character or a, a monster or a vehicle that you can add one to the wound roll. And it's like a one CP stratagem. I was hitting it a bunch with my unit of eight bound, like 30 attacks, but it's like I'm wounding on sixes, fives and sixes, depending on which weapon. And I'm like, oh. Now I'm wounding on fours and fives. That is so difference. much better. Yeah. yeah. I went through, once I remembered that stratagem and popped it, then I'm like, one of them went away. The next one, like, you know, I knocked it down to like two wounds left. Yeah. It's remembering things like that is is a big deal because yep. I'll say back to the Eldar game, he used the stratagem where he's minus one to hit. Yeah. And that negated the judgment token. And one time when my Thunderkin were rolling against him, I would have been hitting on threes because of the judgment token, but because of that ability, I missed five out of like ten. Because I rolled Yahtzee on threes. It's like, wow. Back to the other game. I was fighting him, so next turn he's the attacker, so defender fights first. And that's when the I'm Here champion got to do the mass hammer. Three hits in. All three go through. It was over. It would be, I think, top of five. I tabled him. And thus, I won 90 to zero, just like Kevin. Yeah. But the important thing was, because the only way the defender can win is if the beacons do not go up at all. Yep. So you have to survive five turns with them not getting there. Yeah. So it is a rough mission for defenders. As good a mission as it was for my army, that is an equally bad mission for the Titan player. Like, that's just, that's rough. (laughs) You have to be able to screen stuff, like well, because that's going to be the focus. You have to be able to screen. He could have, if he wanted to, he had other knights in his sideboard. Sure. And just bring maybe the Perfurian and some other knights, but I think he just really wanted that Warhound on there. I mean, yeah. It's a cool, because it was one of the armor cast ones, right? Like, it's one of the old school 90s ones. Yeah. Like, that's that's cool. I'd bring that if I had it. So, yeah. So, after day one, did a did a kind of a, a recap briefing. So, according to the Administratum campaign they have on Goonhammer, which doesn't have all the results. It doesn't but, have mine because I didn't yeah. even. So, it's it about it half all. of it. So, <laughs> I think it's good enough to, like, kind of give us an idea. Pact of Annihilation has 224 points after the first day, Pact of Enlightenment, 286, and Pact of Resistance, 157. So, basically, the way the narrative's progressing is the Pact of Enlightenment is winning the engagement. They're, you know, 
confusing, so in confusion and like enthralling people and you know corrupting no. them into their like into their thing to like let's you know no get enlightenment's out of here. not doing that. Resistance is trying to confuse and corrupt. Enlightenment's hold ground, and we're going to get reinforcements. Oh, was it the? Oh, was I? Is that the? Oh, I think I was. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I was thinking I had it backwards. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so like they were holding the ground, and then you know. Path of Enlightenment's making some some advances in some of these areas because they're smaller than the other ones. And then they, as they described it, like they're just you know, Pact of Annihilation is uh, fighting amongst ourselves, which tracks, <laughs> which totally tracks. Uh, one thing I will say that was very cool is uh, throughout the day, the three Pact leaders, like their costumes are subtly changing. Yeah. So like the the guy that's leading the Pact of Annihilation, like had like had carapace armor and like you know, corn symbols on his armor and like more, more, you know, blood on his shirt. And, uh, the other guy that the guy that was doing the, uh, pact of resistance, you know, he had like his, he's enlightenment or enlightenment. Sorry. Pact of enlightenment had his, uh, you know, he at first day had like his robes and stuff like that. Now he's in like his combat armor. So yep. he has like his, you know, bolt gun and stuff like that with him. This is just really cool. Like way to keep the, the keep the narrative flowing, kind of and, reflect things as and it's changing. They will go around and, Interact with people. Oh, for sure. Because um, Pact of Annihilation came by, and when like in the first round, he was like, "Yeah, take the heads, take the heads." And then he looked at the Eldar player and said, "Especially take this one's heads." As he comes and walks by me, <laughs> there are so many people that are confused about what sort of heresy I'm up to. And they're like, "I know that that's wrong. I just it's wrong on several levels, and I don't know how to process this." <laughs> and then I will say, like Pact of Enlightenment. Since he's an Inquisitor, he's very anti-Xenos. He also walked by our table the first round and said, Oh, good. Two Xenos armies beating each other up. And I'm like, but I'm helping you. And he yeah. was quiet. He's like, mm. I'm like, so I'm like, it feels really weird in the narrative to be the Xenos player. Cause you, the, I mean, the Imperium is very xenophobic. Oh, for sure. So it's like, yeah, I'm helping you, but so I don't know. It feels weird, especially since I, I have not seen any other... I know there's other Votan here. I have not seen any others on the table. I did walk around and didn't, I couldn't find them. I've seen them in the competitive yeah, I've seen side. Them, I've seen people with Votan, like, costumes and stuff. So, yeah, but, but I But they're not seen playing Votan. Game. Interesting. <laughs> Day one was success, hugely successful. Oh, yeah. Had a blast with it. Yes. Losing my voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very interesting, like, the Discord servers and stuff like that, to be able to, like, keep up with... You know, with your, your, your agendas and like just compare how other people are doing, kind of find out how things are going. I will go ahead and point this out because it's going to happen, I'm sure, again. But, uh, as of day one, I am like third place overall in Pact of Annihilation. <laughs> I don't understand that. I assume it was the 90 to nothing win, but yeah. Well, you know, on, on mine, I went a tie and a win. I got one thing of fame, one not fame. I'm helping out both times I've helped out my. Yeah. Packed. Yep. I have not helped out either room. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. So I've won the, I yeah. liked the, I liked the second room. Yeah. The, the commissar was fun no, to interact with. Yeah, she was pretty cool. That also was, because I finished my game so early, me and her had a two or three in-game chats. Oh, that's cool. She that's also cool. asked me like, what's your thoughts on the command node? And then it had to be pointed out to her when I made a comment. She's like, oh, he's a Xenos. She's like, oh. That's why he doesn't like trust the Inquisitor. <laughs> I mean, again, I will point out like there's the three people that are like the pack leaders is like a frothing lunatic who wants to kill everything, a 
uh, farseer who is like trying to I still think it's a Zeech changeling I kind of agree with that too but like there's a subtle like farseer trying to manipulate things and then there's the batshit craziest person in the room (laughs) the the inquisitor is and he's playing it up well oh it's so good because a lot even in our debriefing tonight he he, he did the whole air quote slip up of like we need to get this power because I need we we need to Uh, it's so good yeah, so that was great. We've got more tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a debriefing in the morning, and we'll do more battle rounds. The last thing that happened tonight, and we'll mention it briefly, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it when everyone else sees it. You mean Kill Team? Is we got, <laughs> well, so, so I was saying, there are additional things that people were doing tonight where they, they could play Kill Team. Yeah, because for part I, of the story, yeah. there's an orbital space station. And to, I guess, simulate that, instead of doing boarding actions like we thought it might have been, yeah. it's going to be Kill Team. But unfortunately, Which Kevin and cool. I haven't touched Kill Team in ever. Yeah. So we're like, yeah. And I also, we know wanna, enough about Kill Team. Yeah, I'm like, eh. yeah, we want to also record and sleep. Because um, I'm sure they'll probably be playing sleep until... Sleep for the week. I am weak here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I'm, I'm happy that there's... The narrative is for yeah. Mage. And then you get the extra for Kill Team if you want. I'm glad they're doing this that. This is yeah. optional. Yeah. But it will help the story along for so sure. you can feel for more sure. involved. The and other thing they did was we they did the Warhammer uh, preview. And like I said, we'll talk more about this in the future because we got to see it about an hour before it went live. Because it's like, I think right now they're finishing it up. Lots of cool stuff. Cool new Necron stuff coming out with Orc and the Diviner. Obviously, they're like, we're at a, we're at the Grand Narrative. We're going to announce the next Crusade book, which is the oh, Prime yeah. Nexus. That, that's cool. Because the one thing I will say about Crusade right now is, unless you're one of the armies that has a Codex... It feels a little bare bones in parts because, like, I had you know, last last edition there was all of the cool world leaders' objectives and agendas and things like that. And it's like they're just all more generic, and that's fine. It's not bad. It'll eventually build up, but like, no, it, it lacks a little bit of that. You flavor. can definitely feel that, and that. Well, I was going to say that might be part of the reason why we have so many space marines, but yeah. I think we have so many space marines because people like space marines. People like space marines, <laughs> and then also like. There's a bunch of new models that just came out, and people like there's I mean, a lot more details and stuff. And like, because I've seen all of the new models like being used. Yeah, the only thing I don't know about the Crusade book is what all factions are going to get stuff in there. True, I'm, true, true, true. I'm hoping they do it where they have all the factions at least have something. I hope so. That w- yeah. that would make the book a must buy for Crusade players. Yeah. And I guess speaking of books, they did announce summer books. Yeah. The next thing they they did was they showed us. I'm jumping books. Well, okay, we can jump to the books. They showed us some reveals, and then then they we can like, jump gave back us to that less, too. Yeah, then they gave us a further kind of outlay of the uh, Codex roadmap. So we've got Necron Admech coming up next. Then spring uh, is yeah. going to have, and then uh, it was custodes, custodes, Dark Angels, and CSM. Okay, and there's two more orcs, orcs and Tower in there. Yes, and orcs, and, and then Tower. they announced they started summer the summer one ones. So there is Gene Stiller Colts. Meh. And what was the other one? Sorry. Adeptus Sororitas. Adeptus Sororitas. Oh, that's sisters right. of Battles. Because there was in. three that they had on there. They had G- uh, Gene Stilicold's Sisters, and then a third one that they haven't announced yet. They, they said it's redacted. Well, yeah. <laughs> sure. That I haven't announced yet. So it's it's the second Legion just, is coming back. Because it said redacted. What so I don't... <laughs> so what, what, like, legitimately, I am kind of annoyed by this. Because... I don't want 11th edition next summer already. 
I don't. Th- I'm thinking, but they can't not. They can't like the Sisters Codex always ends the edition. So like, no, they, no, no. <laughs> I, that means eleventh edition no, next. World Leaders ends the edition. Well, that was last time. Yes. So yeah, so we've got two more codexes uh, on the roadmap, which is I nice. I really think Redacted's going to be a new faction. Uh, I could see that. I could see it being. Yeah, I, there's a couple of options out there. I could see it being a new faction. I could see it. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's there's a couple things. Yeah. I still think they were a dark mechanic. I'm already out there somewhere, but we'll yeah. get there. Could be. Yeah. But then back to the models. Then dark back to the angels. Models. Dark angels got oh, some gosh. baller stuff. Oh my gosh, that Asmodee uh, model is looks really good. <sighs> and then this is the next one was where I'm happy and sad at the same yes. time because Deathwing Knights, Deathwing Knights, Deathwing so new, Knights. New so that I think that almost almost also confirms that Space Wolves are going to get new Terminators. Oh, I, hands yeah. down, because he also said this is the first of the chapter specific Terminator models. Yeah, and I'm I'm thrilled by it because I love. I love the hooded Deathwing Knights. They're so cool. And the shields are awesome. The weapons. And they now instead of maces, they can also have swords. So yeah. hence at the book, they're going to have extra different options. But my only downside is I already have a squad of Deathwing Knights. You don't need really two. I would say it's interesting because they're a new enough kit. And granted, because time is a flat circle and we're all old, the Deathwing Knights kit came out. Ago, was it that long? Eight to ten years ago, and the sculpts are still they're so still good. great. Yeah, they're still great. My only but complaint like, against them is they're short compared sure. to the newest Terminator. So like, so it's when those things were like, yeah, I get it. Like the sixth edition launch was that, it? Oh my yeah, god! When they when those came out, so yeah, those. So it makes eight me to feel years ago. air quote slightly bad for picking up the Dark Angels Terminators, but well, I mean, you can still mix and match them and stuff like that. I will, fine. and I, I might want to. Get something, yeah. So, but, but I, I'm but they do look nice. Yes. They look very nice. Gosh. There's a couple other things they announced, not necessarily 40k related. Uh, Horse Heresy's getting Assault Marines. Yay! The Flesh Eater Court stuff oh, for Age gosh, of Sigmar looks, looks so amazing. Every new Age of Sigmar army they release is like, oh my god, that is the coolest army. Like, I I love the Cities of Sigmar stuff. I'm like, ah, I just don't need to get into another game. Then they also announced for the Old World. Uh, they announced Tomb Kings and confirmed that, and the new like Bone Dragon. And I'm like, I don't need to get into another army, another game. God damn it! Um, and then the last thing they announced, no Necromundo was there. Too. Oh, there was Necromundo. Where yeah, they're you get a police car. They're getting yeah, they're doing a, 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 a Palatine Enforcer Ashwaste vehicle, which means that car will show up in Adeptus uh, Adeptus Arbitis armies. Or Gene Steeler Colts. Yeah, Gene Steeler Colts, but it's going to be repurposed as a as a car for the for the Arbitis. And now so, Kill Team. And, yeah. Oh so, my gosh, Kill Team. And then the Kill Team stuff. So you guys remember the Striking Scorpions? They were awesome. <sighs> yeah. And it's something else coming. So legitimately, like something I was not expecting because I'd heard somebody mention like, "Oh, it's going to be this," and I'm like, "That's that's crazy. That's not going to happen." A basically Night Lords like Terror Squad Kill Team. And it's it's based off the CSM stuff, so it's you know it's Chaos Space Marine, and then it's just upgrade bits and stuff for it. But oh my god, well, it looks amazing! I mean, that's what a lot of the kill teams are because like the Voton one is yeah. warriors with upgrades. The Dark Eldar one was yeah, but like the oh my gosh, the 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 captain or the sorry the leader of the squad looks so cool. He has like this awesome like flesh cape and the the, the special helm. Oh my gosh, I mean, it looks so amazing. I 
the pictures will be up on Warhammer Community site. You guys can absolutely see it. The, the great thing about being in the room, because this is the second time I've been in the room for one of these reveals, is the energy in the room is amazing. Like, they show something, there's a big pop, people, you know, oh my god, that's so crazy. Like, you can feel the energy, and that's what's great. The downside is, you're in a room with a bunch of other people, so you can't really see the screen, and they're kind of burning through stuff fast. I had no problem. Like, you were closer to the front. I was so, in the third row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no and idea like the, And they're burning through stuff a lot yeah, faster, are. so it's like, it's it's a little bit more difficult to see like the details but but oh my god yeah so cool. i think other than the flesh courts Osmodai and the night lords stole the show <sighs> absolutely yeah the Osmodai model just wild yeah crazy it looks so cool so, so i mean this is my first time being at one of these in person it was fun would do it, it was again cool yeah i mean my only air quote complaint um he did a good job with the mic, but it would be, the, the mics have been an issue throughout the Yeah, the convention. sound's been a little weird. It's it, it's interesting to me, having been at other like conventions and helped set things up and do this other stuff, most of these rooms, I would assume, are wired for sound, and they're trying to put everything through like a little portable speaker. And I'm like, but connect into the room sound, and then everybody can hear you. That's... I don't know. Maybe they're not set up that way. I don't know. I don't work with, with you know, with the Hyatt, but... Uh, yeah, uh, sound has been kind of an issue, but they've gotten better with it. So, yeah. day uh, day two day complete. two is done. Uh, I'm going to go to sleep because I am tired again. I do not understand how I was able to do like three or four games in a day before because you're younger. My God, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's a wrap on day two, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with day three. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back with day three from the Grand Narrative. Yeah. <sighs> Exhausting. <laughs> but yeah. fun. It's yeah, so it's been fun. it's been a blast. But yes, uh, the theme from yesterday of how tired we are, yeah, it feels the same way today. But uh, I don't feel as tired today as yeah. I was yesterday. Today just feels more of a extended exhaustion rather yeah. than a wiped out. Yeah, for sure. And it also helped, like... After our games, we went. We walked down to Centennial Park. We walked around a little bit. So, like, we did a little bit of exploring, too. No, but, and uh, th- if anyone comes to any of these events, I highly encourage doing that. I think when I said when I did the first U.S. Open, I went to in Austin. Yep. I was wiped out after two days playing six games back-to-back. I couldn't do that last two on the Sunday. I took the day off I, yeah. I and just explored Austin. And that was great to be... A tourist. And I mean, Atlanta is a great city to be. Kansas City is a great city to be a tourist in. It is. So, and I've also here 
heard people that actually got to the event early to actually spend some time seeing the aquarium, seeing Centennial Park. So yeah. the event's a great thing, but they also put good locations for you to go exploring. Absolutely. And like that's that's a big thing for me. Like I travel a lot for soccer games and anytime I go somewhere I always try to give enough time to you know, not just get in, do the game and, and, and get out, like time to spend in the city, like see things, visit, explore, see what local things they've got going on. So yeah, when I was here last year uh, in Atlanta, we did the world of Coca-Cola and we did the aquarium and they were both absolutely amazing. So Atlanta's really has been awesome. Weather's been great as yes. well. Yes. Oh my so, gosh. This does not feel like November to no, me. No, it's amazing. So aside from us gushing about the city, <laughs> the, the day went well as well. We started out in the morning <laughs> doing, I was about to say boarding actions, but having our briefing. Yep. And each of the packed leaders came in and they gave their spiel. And I think yours was more bloodied and. <laughs> yeah. He was not, he was not super happy because we were kind of on the back heel after the first day. Even though I won both of my games, apparently overall we were not doing super well. Again, one of the things that's super neat is how the costumes are evolving oh, gosh, over yes. the course of it. So like first day at the beginning of, you know, the first briefing, the exalted commander for the pack of annihilation had like, you know, his, you know, fatigues on and, you know, his chain glaive. And then he had like carapace armor. And today he had like trophy racks on and more blood and more gore and stuff like that. And then I guess for us, the Inquisitor looked like yeah. a, a robed Inquisitor day one, like when we first met. Then yesterday he was kind of had fatigues on and he was like, I'm going to leave from the front. We're going to do this action together. And then at the end of yesterday, he had said something about get me my gear. Yeah. And today he showed up in full Terminator armor. Yeah. And it looked good on him. It is amazing. There's a live blog on the Warhammer community site with pictures of all the different leaders and Lords of War and stuff like that. It's really interesting to, to see. And like get get up close pictures on there. That Terminator armor is amazing. There's some really good pictures of it on the site. Apparently, he, he hey, someone he mentioned that it. said he made it himself. So crazy detail that yeah, the detail on. I tried to get a couple pictures, but if you get up close, you can see all of the detail that was put into that, and it's it's just mind blowing. Yeah, lots uh, and lots of work. It's also amazing because he, like, could not move. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I mean, when we were had our briefing, we were supposed to be in one place. When he started coming out, everyone, would, like, turned, looked. And then he just kind of stopped, partially for pictures and partially because yeah. I think he was like, didn't want to walk into is, a crowd. This is as far as I'm going. And then he said, yeah, everyone come over here. Close in. Close in. <laughs> no, like, he has a cool role, and, like, and, and that Terminator armor is amazing. I do think the Pact of Annihilation guy is just... Because of the nature of chaos in 40k is just able to be like frothing lunatic from the get go and just seems like he's having a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. He's um, been a bit over the top. It's and it fits. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then the exalted leader is like getting, you know, gets fancier staff and stuff like that and more, more makeup and like more to her costume as well. We'll get to the end when she kind of did the full on reveal, but yeah, that I thought that was a cool thing. Like, and even the, the Lords of War, like the section commanders. For each room, uh, we're having different, you know, would, would do more effects and more stuff to their costumes. The commissar in the ice locked fortress, you know, has like had one of her eyes like gouged out today. So she had like contact in and blood on her face. And somebody asked, like, you know, what happened? Did you have an accident? She's like, no, a, a, a member of the Pact of Annihilation uh, commented on how symmetrical my face looked. So I had to cut out my own eye to, to, to like, 
And I'm like, that's so great. That's awesome. But yeah, all of them had like different like evolutions or costume and, and things like that over the course of the day. And it kind of reflected how the battles are going. And yeah, just very cool. Very, very immersive in that regard. And, and the one thing I'll say is all of them keep character. Yes. So well. I mean, yesterday I think I talked about like the commissar and I had tons of conversations in character with her and that was, she was great. great. Yeah. And then like today, I mean, we'll get to the games later, but today I start out in the scars, mm-hmm. which Kevin did yesterday. Yep. And the servitor in there was great to talk yes. to. And since I'm portraying Votan, I had a lot to talk to him about, asked him so many questions. And the guy told me afterwards, he's like, you were asking all the right questions. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I just had to tell you, which he did of, I cannot answer any more of your questions. And that was all the only line he said. So, so like you've yeah. gotten to the end of a program and <laughs> it's yeah. like you've hit the end of the prompt tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's amazing. And I thought that was great. The, the outcast one, cause I actually made it to the deep forest yes. zone, which yeah. is the air quote rare zone. I'll say. Right. <laughs> mostly cause it only has 10 tables in it as opposed to others. 20, have 20 30, yeah. and then the big sanctum had 30. So only 10. So I think if you get there, you're lucky. And he was there, but he did, I'll, I'll, I'll say the air quotes, break character a lot because, and he even explained, he's like, I've had a lot of people who were unsure about things, yeah. so I'm going to do it in character, and then I'll explain some things out if you need it, because I want to make sure that you guys are fine. And The one that was great was the hydrovent in the uh, in the Sanctum. He would, you know, in character, somebody would come up and ask, you know, hey, uh, do you know what our mission priority for today is? And he's like, let me consult the book. And he's got this notepad and he's all written out. He's like, yes, this is it. And he's doing it all in character. But he's like, just, and it's just one of those things where it's a tricky balance because these people are basically effectively like the game masters or the tournament organizers, but also have to stay in character. So like huge props to them. They, yes. It's, Yeah. It's been crazy. So I'm I'm going to knock on wood. As I've said, I've been to four of the six zones. So there's six games. Yeah, so I am hoping tomorrow I hit the Forge and the um, Valley. Yeah. Even though I know based... Wait, no. They moved around the tarot cards. I might get the super big Egyptian. That's true. I took pictures of it, but that yeah. one looks so good. The the terrain as well has been amazing in all of these. Like themed terrain for each section, but also like the the sanctum had like you know it it's this gigantic temple uh, to all to all of these different religions, all these different gods, and it's like they're not sure. So like every table is allowed to have like different different things. So like different sculptures, different statues, different wrecked vehicles, things like that. So really cool thematic stuff. And like tonight when Kevin and I were just chilling, we sat down in there at an yeah. Eldar table where yeah. it had Wraith Lords that had like been set up like statues yep. along with like Webway Gate. So it, yeah. it had a very Eldar feel to it. And the, the it. one next to us had like a, a bust of like a, of an, you know, Imperial officer or whatever that was like kind of like, you know, painted like rock and kind of deformed and, you know, wrecked tanks, wrecked bane blades. Wrecked Thunderhawk on some of these. Like again on that live blog, they they showed some of the tables and stuff, and some of those tables are amazing. I mean, uh, think these will not be tables you would see ever in a competitive no, game. No, uh, and most of them are asymmetrical. Yeah, but as I'll say about the guy in the dark deep forest I was at, he was encouraging people. Said, "Play. Don't think of this as a competitive game. Think of it yes. as a narrative. Try to tell the story of yes. your characters. If they might do something suboptimal." 
do it because yes. that kind of fits the narrative that you're trying to go for. Yeah. And so he's trying to encourage players to play that up as opposed to just play numbers. Yeah. And I, and I will say this, like I do so greatly appreciate that games workshop is actively supporting this type of play. Oh, this is Be- great. Because yes. it, you know, it's one of those things where this could grow outside of, you know, outside of the company pushing it. There are plenty of other narrative campaigns, things like that. Like I was talking to the, my opponent from a couple of games yesterday, uh, a game yesterday and then at the, the reveal, he does like a bunch of horse heresy narrative stuff and it's like long, you know, long involved in that stuff. So that stuff exists. So I'm not saying that like non-competitive play would not exist if GW wasn't pushing it, but GW pushing this and making it such a big focus will push more people into right. it and more people to do it at their events. It at other helps events, so. encourage people to see it more because yeah. I mean, people grassroots play anything. Absolutely. But most people would avoid events because, like, oh, there's nothing for me. But if they start seeing that there's these things for them, they might start showing up to them. If you showed up on planet Earth and got on the internet and looked at 40K, you would think all it is is competitive play because that's what almost all the YouTube videos are about. That's what all the blogs are about. Competitive play this, power balance, things like that. And to a point, even GW with their you know, meta watch and things like that. And, you know, that is, I don't want to say it's a minority of the players, but like, it's definitely a smaller group of players than, than it's, than it's outsized influence. Uh, so I'm glad that they're helping kind of like put forth other ways to play. We've talked about this before. The crusade system is just such a very cool narrative way to play. That's, you know, has a structure to it so that you're not having to custom build all of your stuff. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, can't say enough great things about about yeah. Crusade. I, I will say, thankfully, I get some of my Voton abilities back because I have now upgraded all of my vehicles with the experience track, and now they all have my five up invone save. Yep. that I used to have as Voton, so I'm very happy for that. <laughs> I, I need to go back through my list again just to double check. I think I've been tracking. I haven't been tracking all of the experience for kills. Um, on mine yet, so I need to go and see. It'll probably just be like a few extra yeah. points here and there. But yeah, I've been able to upgrade several and give them things like sustained hits or give them feel no pain or extra movement, which is huge because my army's already fast. And now, like, okay, I'm throwing a boatload of attacks and now I can get more or I'm more resilient. So I, I yeah. will say this that I haven't looked up in the Crusade rules because in the previous edition of Crusade rules, there was a bonus if your opponent's crusade was higher than yours. But it normally said it on the missions. That's true, yeah. And this one, the missions haven't said it. So I'm like, did they roll that into the main rules? Because Because yeah. normally you'd get an extra crusade point for every upgrade you got. And then your crusade points, your opponent would get a bonus if you were higher than them. Mm-hmm. To kind of help balance it out. Because truthfully, someone who's done upgrades yeah. versus someone who hasn't. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. No, that's a good point. I mean, um, we'll look it up after. Yeah, we do yeah, this, but. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's a good point because yeah, Musings. I hadn't thought about that. Now we've talked about like how awesome the game is, and it's great they're supporting this, and then that's not all about who won or lost the games. Let's talk about who won or lost games. I did. <laughs> I won or lost games. Yes, uh, that's you drew a game yesterday. Yesterday, so but yesterday's not today. They've already heard enough. that part. So uh, I played a game. Yes, I played a game. I have played the Pact of Enlightenment, all four of my games. Two Space Marines yesterday. Wait, wait, wait. This is my shock face. I know. Uh, and then today I played another one that was 
Ashana, the 11th company. So he was... We had Deathwing Dark Angels. His entire army was Deathwing Knights. All the games are starting to get mixed together because I played so many similar armies. Deathwing Knights, Deathwing Terminators, Command Squad, you know, Terminator Command Squad, Blade Guard Veterans, two units of Heavy Intercessors, a Contemptor Dreadnought, and... Yeah, I think it was just the Contemptor. He had a Leviathan in his sideboard, but he wasn't using it for this game. And I remember that because I was like, oh, that's cool. The Leviathan Dreadnought's awesome. He's like, yeah, I bought, like, I was like, I bought mine. I haven't put it together yet because they immediately legend it. He's like, yeah, they legend it the day I finished painting it. And I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh. Oh. So he's like, this is the first time I've, first event I've gotten to use the plastic one. Oh, very so, nice. So, like, that's cool. He wrecked my shit. <laughs> and you uh, won? No. I lost 100 to technically 10, but 100 to 0, basically. The mission was against the swarm. So I was the attacker, and there are six objectives. And basically, you have to go and, like, despoil the objectives. So you get a unit on there, and you try to... Actually, no, sorry. This wasn't the one where you despoil it. Uh, it's just one where you have to, like, take the objectives. Defender scores 20 victory points for every objective marker they hold. The attacker scores 15 for every uh, objective marker they hold. So you're trying to push forward and attack. And Deathwing Knights are freaking anvils. Like, you cannot move them. A full unit of 10 Deathwing Knights with the chaplain. So 11 bodies. Four wounds apiece. Yes. Two up armor. Yes. Four up invulnerable. Yes. Toughness, six. Minus one to hit. Minus one damage. Yep. And they have abilities where you can just be like, okay, uh, I once per game, I can let them have extra attacks. They have a variety of weapons like thunder hammers and maces and all sorts of stuff. The flail is one that like, you know, mortal wounds, devastating wounds and things like that. Yeah, just I did come the closest. So far, I've come the closest to anybody that he's played to actually killing the unit. Nice. I threw a unit of eight bounds. A unit of berserkers, a unit of exalted eight bound, and the corn lord of skulls at it, and couldn't kill the unit. Couldn't completely kill the unit. Like that unit killed all of those. So they were devastating. Like they were easily the MVP of that game. Um, and he even mentioned as well. He's like, oh yeah, like because it's like I, I, I told him after the game, it's like I probably should have just ignored them rather than trying to commit to killing them. And he's like, honestly, if you hadn't committed. They would just would have gone back into teleport because he can free teleport them and redeploy them just like Grey Knights. So it's like he's like it wouldn't have mattered. They still would have gotten in your face. And I'm like, well, that's it's not helpful, but sure, <laughs> doesn't make me feel too much better. But yeah, I, I here's how here's how the best summation of the game went. Now I did kill a lot of stuff. Like I killed a lot of models. I killed most of the Deathwing Knights. Down to like two or three. I killed most of the Terminators. I killed several in the Terminator Command Squad. Half or, you know, uh, most of the unit of Blade Guard. I completely killed one unit of three Eradicators. That's it. I killed one unit in the whole game. If a World Leaders player tells you, like, if you want to find out how they're doing in their game... Just ask how many units they killed, and if they, it's like less than all of them, they lost. <laughs> so, so, Kevin, when we played in the U.S. Open, how many units did you kill? <laughs> you know what? I don't want Rob to have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if, if a world leader's player is like, oh yeah, I killed one unit, like, oh, so you lost badly. 
Yes, I did. Uh, it was a great game, though. It was super fun. Yeah, had had a great time. We were in the Sanctum. It was great. Like, that super fun game. It just was like... And the player that I played against was a World Eaters player, too. <laughs> so, like, that was also part of it. He's like, oh, I know what this does. Like, I know how to block them out. I know... Because, like, if I had hit all of those units on the Deathwing Terminators at once, I would have killed them. But I, he managed to position them in a way where I could only get one unit at a time. So one unit would hit, he'd hit back, wipe the unit. The next unit hit, wipe back. Oh, and they had Monster Hunter as well. That's why they were able to to, to hit, or not Monster Hunter, Titan Hunter. So that's why they were able to get, that's why they were able to like beat up the Lord of Skulls too. And it's like, this is nuts. Deathwing Knight's awesome. Guys, super stoked for the new Deathwing Knights too. So. Oh yeah, so am I. I mean, if I get five of those, I can make a squad of ten with five just being shorter than the others. Yeah. <laughs> Super fun game. Did not get any of my... Well, yeah. Everybody died, so I didn't get any of the fame and infamy or any of the other objectives. So that one was kind of a complete wash for me. Well, talking about fun first games, how do Orcs versus Dwarfs sound? Eh. Eh? I think it sounds like a little, classic matchup. A little tolkien for me, but yeah. Well, well sometimes you got a Tolkien. <laughs> no, this was, this was an amazing Orc army. Yeah. The display board was amazing. I think we, we talked to him and, and he said he actually crate ships this display board. And he, he yeah. mentioned during our game, yeah, the shipping for this cost more than his plane ticket to get here. Yeah. Which I would believe it. Yeah. But no, it was an amazing display. It had fog machine added to it. It has sound added to it because it's a bunch of orcs rocking out on a stage with cheering fans and like, yeah, vehicles and stuff. And the big centerpiece of that was a giant squigoth. Yeah. And that squigoth was awesome. And so in our, our room, we was down in the scar and we were getting ready to play and we, we had some hiccups because this morning they, they've been having hiccups to get it started because they're trying to get everybody in every room. They're trying to make sure. You don't play against the same yeah. battle groups you've already played. So there's lots of variables getting into there and sometimes the wires are getting crossed. And so, but they're taking care of it. And I know we know how hard it is to get stuff done. So nope, we're not <laughs> pushing back, but we have to be patient. And we were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah, I got moved back and forth a couple of times, but until we got settled, it felt a lot less chaotic today than it did the first day. Cause that first game of the first day definitely felt. Like, it, it took longer to get started and get everyone ready to go. Could be, but, like, for uh, this one, yeah. they had us go set up. I was, like, getting ready to play Orcs, and they said, oh, Battle Group 10, you have to go back to the other room. And so we started to go to the other room, then they said, Battle Group 10, go back to that, because you already played the people in that room, eat too. So we went back, and so I'm like, okay, we get the Battle Orcs, and he was happy about it, because he's like, I, yeah, I want to play Dwarfs, this is cool. And then what they do is, if a Battle Group is not full, like you don't have your full complement there. Yeah. And what the other one has more, they'll try and do a two on one, like a heroic battle. Yep. And so he agreed to take on two, so I said sure. And so uh the Votan, I had to reduce my army down to a thousand and I got allied in with Alpha Legion. AKA some other people in my battle group and I'm just like, oh more space marines. So it's impossible to know <laughs> what they actually were. Okay. Yeah, and that made a good narrative too. I mean because- they could have just been they could have been Votan. <laughs> uh, when the, the, the Nurgle wings well, came out, they might have... Alpharius is shorter than normal Primarch, so it makes sense that their Marines are shorter than normal Marines. I mean, Marines. I can agree with that, except for, I said, <laughs> the Nurglings. Yeah. But no. <laughs> so, got to have him in there, and our mission was the Gathering Shroud. 
which was the bad thing in this is every turn you roll to die and if you roll two through five, some you go up on the chart. If yep. you roll a six, you really go up on the chart. And air quote, bad things happen. I think the first thing was you can't do uh, insane bravery. Okay. The second was like you can't you or tactical stratagems to cost two or an extra point, so they cost two. Uh, if we got to the bottom, then um, one of the other uh, I forgot. This says view the chart on the left of the cards. Don't have the chart. We yeah. had to look up in the book. But the last one did not come up, and we were so thankful because. Oh, it was like cunning ploy or whatever the strategic role is. I don't know. One of the last ones, which we needed to fall back and shoot, did not come up. And so we were happy because orcs like to be in your face. So fall yes. back and shoot was very important for us. And so, yeah, the mission on this one is hold one, hold two, hold more, hold the opponent's deployment zone one. So you get five points for each of those. So we were cutting it pretty even. In the end, of, I mean, I'll talk about the main thing, but in the end... Alpha Legion and Votan actually helped each other out. We balanced each other out in nice. a crazy way because he was mostly melee. I was mostly shooting. Yeah. And it, it helped out. So the Squigoths just started going, boom, 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 filled with a ton of flash gets up top. Yeah. And they were going. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did what I could to kind of slow it down. Orcs have a stupid rule, which I don't like, or the, a stratagem, which makes their thing minus one to wound. Yeah. So I was like, oh, thankfully, you have a second judgment token because you killed something. It only affected my things, but I got back to my normal woundings. But yeah, the land fortress did work. Mm-hmm. I had a Sagittar go through and do like 13 wounds to it. Wow. And the land fortress did like nine or 10. So they were doing work. I think. All of my shooting in the end, like, got the Squigoth down to, like, three or four. I had one last Sagittar that could kind of help finish it off. But I was also worried that there was a giant Mecha Dread mm. that was threatening me. So I'm like, I'd rather shoot here. And Alphaline said, yeah, do that. I'll finish it off in melee. And so that's what I did. In retrospect, I should have shot it. Because if I killed it, I would have got the command points. Yes. But because I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. And my other thing I targeted was his warlord, which was the other fun part of this game is we wanted like heroic challenges was our thing. Yep. So I just ran my warlord up the table. Well, in a Sagittar, but sure. it, got, it got him there faster. And then he popped out of the Sagittar and said, fight me. And we shot lots of bullets to get their warlord's attention. I pinked his armor twice and it didn't go through, <laughs> but at least. He, he, the orc player played along and he had his guy come out and came out and then attacked me and we had a glorious battle and that was fun. I really didn't stand a chance because a single call of, against a war boss on a squigga mm. is not much of a fight. So yeah, that did not go my way. But then after we got the square dead, the flash gets were there. We got the flash gets dead. Alpha Legion champion came up and he started to fight the guy and he also got killed. So this orc warlord killed two warlords. Nice. And, and it was like, and then he just started going on a tear on the table and like, I'm killing everything. Nice. We finally got him down with some land fortress shots. And it was like, oh my gosh, this guy's finally dead. And he's, he died into possessed, but he still had fights on death. Yes. So he fought, but it was, it was perfect because all of his roles on his fights on death were like misses, misses, misses. We're like, yeah, he's just, he's just out of gas. He's, he's just <laughs> spit. And the other thing we, we, we tried to do was like 
when the leader of the Alpha Legion died, he's like, I am Alpharion, and then he died. Yeah. And then the orcs go, what's that? It's Alpharion? It must be a type of fight. And then the orcs, orcs start saying, I am Alpharion, I am Alpharion. And that was just hilarious, too. So I That's mean, <laughs> pretty great. Alpharion, Alpharion apparently is a form of crumping. <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. So, um, so how was it? So was this the first time that you played like a three-way game? In this tournament, yes. Yeah. And how they did it for command points was each of the players that had two people on the side each gained one normally. The opponent with a solo gained two each time to okay. kind of balance it out. Yeah. We went ahead. It didn't come up because I was the only one with really shooty. And we, so we only ever overwatched once. And okay. if anything happened, so we, those we still kind of kept, kept as separate. is, okay. kept separate. How did the deployment work? Because I look on this and I see that like it's the, the, the quarters with the, the semi, so, you know, the circle in the middle. Did you guys just deploy in the same zone or did you deploy yeah. in different? Okay. No, we were all in the same. We treated it like we were a 2000 okay. point army. Okay. Which no, that's cool. I did have some problems at times because I'd look on the board and thought things were like orky because they didn't look Votani. And I'm like, oh wait, no, that's my, my, my partners. Mm-hmm. Have to remember those, those weird shape in space marines are actually on my side. We shoot this dude. Oh wait. Oh no. <laughs> I shot, I shot the Alpha Legionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the other thing that was fun in that game was he had, or the, buggy oh nice the dragster nice he, he and you could tell he, he even said he was a tournament player but since this was narrative he was using all the things that weren't competitive which like I th- the dragster was fun because he kept it in his mm-hmm. back line and it was there mostly he said yeah it was to deter deep striking which it did because i didn't deep strike back there because yeah. i couldn't yeah and then once all of my deep strikers landed he zoomed it out of there and had it Moved come it to like our yeah. side no, so. that's the one thing I've noticed is there's a lot of people using units that like legends units or just things that aren't good in their list, uh, which is great. Like I, I, I love seeing it. I love seeing these units that you don't normally see. That's no. awesome. So this one, it was a lot of fun. And like I mentioned before, I got to talk to the servitor a lot and yeah, I, I was very pleased. Also, I'll say about this one, this guy's army was also then put on the uh, showcase for the narrative stuff. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll that, do my other spoiler thing. Three of my four people I fought, their armies are in the showcase. That's pretty. Stuff, that's pretty so. awesome. I'm fighting good painted armies. Yeah. No, the the that just to go back to that display board. Yeah, the army was very well painted as well. So yeah. no no shade on that. That deserved to be in the showcase just for the display board. Yes. Let alone the fact that the army was very well painted too. So. Yeah, that's it's very interesting to see like the people who really go in for like the display boards and stuff like that and like some of the the logistics. Like, well, oh yeah, no, I have to ship this from like oh, or I have and, to drive and some places. I'm, yeah. I'm going to call him an orc fanboy because he also said <laughs> yeah. he has thirty thousand points of orcs at home. That's a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. My second game, I was in the Fivefold Forge, which was interesting because so on some of these tables. In the uh, like ice fortress, they had like like sugar, so like that, like you know, white powdery white stuff. White sand, on yeah, white sand or whatever, like on the tables. Uh, the desert had the desert had like sand. You know, sand and stuff like that. The fivefold forge had glitter, basically glitter on the tables. Glitter, There's like, no- yeah, like it, it was. It wasn't like necessarily glitter, but it wasn't glitter. not not glitter. Like so, uh, I didn't. Don't think I got too much on me, but I know some people that played through the first couple of games and are like, "Yeah, my army's not covered in glitter." Especially if you had magnets, because the because oh, it was right. like ferrous. If you had magnets on there, that glitter was just everywhere. I'm glad I'm not magnetized. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I didn't magnetize my stuff. 
Going into this round after having just been stopped by uh, Gravis Armor Space Marines, I was like, okay, I have fought a Ultramarines Army that has Heavy Terminators, a Gravis Army Dark Angels Army, and a Gravis Army Dark Angels Army. I really hope I don't face Gravis Army Space Marines. And I didn't. Yay! I faced Custodes. That's Which fun. is basically the same. <laughs> As I was mentioning when we were talking earlier, just kind of recapping our day, it feels weird because of the tricks that Space Marines have because of their codexes Codex. and, and some of the extra character support they have that Custodes don't. Even though Custodes are tougher and have better armor saves, Space Marines feel more resilient. And I think that's still back to the we have a codex, yeah. you don't. When I think it's I think a lot of it's also the character support. Yeah. Because like again, the Deathwing Knights by themselves are good, but are with very the good with a the chaplain, they're really great. Yes. Custodian Terminators are really good and they just don't have much character support. Not because there's no. not characters available. It's just so expensive. You don't. Want, you can't put characters like in every. Well, unit. we'll see what happens when their codex comes out in the spring. I mean, but even then, I think it's going to be. I think it'll be interesting for them because I don't think they will be as big on like the character support. Aspects, they might not be, but you know? maybe they'll have tricks in their codex. Oh, for sure, help. for sure. So we were playing biosample acquisition lined up on the short board edges, and there were five uh, objectives, and you had to go to the objectives, and a character had to extract. extract the biosample. So you get there, you spend a turn, you do an action at the end of your round, it completes. The Custodes player went first. The other thing that was great about this is he had a Telemann and and a Land Raider, and that was like his main shooting, other than the Guardian Spears and things like that. Which those, are, those won't do Which squat. are just bolters, you know. Yeah, they're, they're- so he had like big shooting, but he didn't have bulk shooting, which is like the first time that I'd not fought an army with a bunch of shooting. So I was able to advance, like he, you know, he moved forward a little bit, I advanced, and we, we were able to start getting into a fight. Also, through some of the upgrades, like some of my, both my units of 8-bound can scout and, and do other things now. So I was much closer to his lines. Yeah, and it just ended up being, it was a good fight, ended up tabling him, but you know, uh, getting everything. Lost several of my units, but not as much as I thought. I rolled pretty good saves, and then having the Feel No Pain... On most of my units natively means that when I pull the blessing of corn that gives me the six up feel no pain, it specifically improves existing feel no pains by one. So on like eight bound, three up armor, five up invuln, five up feel no pain, six toughness, three wounds. That's hard to chew through. So I was playing Commander Achilles uh, with his custodes. I asked him when I was, you know, at the end of the game, I was like, so how long have you been playing? Because, like, you, you're really good at it. Like, you know your army, you're playing as well. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been playing for, for five years. I'm like, cool. How old are you? Thirteen. That's impressive. The kids are all right. The future of this hobby <laughs> still is, like, is definitely this. Because like, he was great. Like, he was legitimately, like, a good player. He knew his stuff. He played fast. He played well. Like, I was impressed. Like, I was legitimately so, impressed. So he's been playing for five years. How long have you been playing, Kevin? Oh, God. <laughs> I know I just told Drop I didn't want to have to edit out swears, but fuck off. <laughs> Archie Cabin. Yeah, once I sit down and start doing the math, I'm like, oh no, I've been doing this for too long. You mean longer than he's been around? <laughs> right. He also had a uh, Custodes armor like cosplay that he oh, made. Nice. Oh, like, definitely foam, nice. Yeah, like foam cosplay that he made. It was I was really impressed. Dang. But yeah, it was a good fight. He killed the Lord of Skulls because Last Cannons are really good at killing big things. Yes. So he killed Lord of Skulls. He killed uh, my Demon Prince. 
I was able to kill everything just kind of with weight of fire. Yes. Because again, you know, custod- like two-up armor is great, but if you have to save 50, you know, 50 saves, right. you're going to fail. Well, and um, that's my take on custodes is weight of fire kills them and they don't have a lot of high strength guns. Yeah. So if you've got big things, that's, they can kind of take them down. Yeah. But they don't have much because the strength, the guardian spears are just. Well, that's why the, that's why the forge world stuff is so key to them competitively. Right. Because it's the only way to bring in like good shooting other than, you know, contemptor dreads and things. And even the contemptor dreads. Yeah. The Promethean spears and the plasma culvern spears yeah. and then the, the big tanks, the shooting covers that gap yes, that they does. don't have. And obviously he wasn't bringing that because this was, you know, just right. we're playing in a friendly game. But it was a really fun game. So one thing that happened at the end of the game. Yes. So we, we got to the end of the game. You know, I killed his Land Raider, which is the last thing I had on the table. And it was bottom of five. So game was over anyway. But we're packing up kind of, you know, getting getting the army put, you know, armies put back. And the pack commander for the uh, Pact of Annihilation comes by. And he's like, oh, you know, seeing the big fights, like, you know. I want each of you to choose, you know, uh, a champion, and you're going to fight for the honor of corn. So he picked his Telemann, I picked my Demon Prince, and we fought, and we had a duel, and he's like, you know, pre- whoever wins, present me to me, and, you know, like that. I'm like, okay. So we fought, you know, and uh, he ended up winning because the Telemann was, basically came down the Telemann was wounding me on threes, and I was wounding him on fours. So, like, he had, like, two wounds left when he finally killed me, so it was, it was a good back and forth. Uh, so he takes, you know, the Demon Prince over to pack leader and gets you know the mark of corn drawn on his forehead so you know like because they had like a little like stage prop blood that he was drawing marks of corn on people uh throughout the day it was great because there's a bunch of people in the pact of annihilation have like bald heads that have like the mark of corn on their head and stuff this great little touch yeah so he did this and this kid in full custodes cosplay with the mark of corn <laughs> and i'm like you know what i lost but I still think this is a victory. I still feel like this is a victory for chaos. So that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It was a good game. I ended up winning that one. And then I did not do, well, yeah, because my warlord died. So I didn't get the fame for that one. Uh, but yeah, got the pact agendas and all that stuff. So, you know, yeah, moved, moved the pact of annihilation forward for sure. So second game for me, I actually got into the forest zone. Which made me very happy because, as we said, ten tables, it feels like the rare zone. Rare spawn for us to get to. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing, which Kevin probably thinks is not funny, is the people we were playing, this was their second time in there. That's so, funny. So it's like, because, yeah, people are trying to get there. Storyline-wise, like, earlier in the day, they said, oh, yeah, the heat's going here. It's going crazy. The AC or the ventilation is all venting into the ice thing and it's making it freeze more. And we got conflicting reports of things. Well, when I got to the deep forest jungle, it was actually a jungle now because yeah. they said, oh, things are going out of control. Vines are growing everywhere. And to demonstrate this on the boards, they actually put plastic vines on yeah. the tables. And he made it clear, like, you guys do whatever you want with them. Just this is, narrative. Make up what you want. We made ours difficult terrain, and that was it. As they kind of walk around, they talk in character and... Being the vote, I'm like, can we get some flamethrowers to get rid of these vines? <laughs> and, and the guy kind of broke care. He's like, if you don't need the vines there, if you want to, like, this is narrative. If you want to say your flamethrowers burn them and you move them off, do it. I'm like, no, this is just me and character Votan complaining about <laughs> being this nature stuff. 
That's funny. But no, he was all into, hey, if yeah. you and your opponent agree to something yeah. narratively, Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. And so I liked his take on it. But we didn't have to. I don't have any flamethrowers in my army. <laughs> Always got to bring a flamethrower. No, but no. This one was spawning ground. This is a very weird one. Yeah, you, you were, played yeah. this one. No, you were explaining, uh, explaining it to yeah. me. Earlier. I'm like, yeah, this one's weird. We were the defenders because we're trying to hold the line. So that's why our goal: hold the line, be defenders. Well, in this rule, the first rule says the attacker has the first turn. Just like I had when I was the, yep. like the beacon. So like twice I've had to hold the line, defend against things. The second rule is at the start of the battle, each objective marker, and there's only three, they're in no man's land, but they're all on the defender side. So the defender can get to them easily. Yeah. You start a tally on them. It starts at zero. Then at the start of each player's turn, if the defender controls them and the defender starts with them under their control until an act. So they're all sticky to start with. Right. And if the defender controls them, they go up by one. If the attacker controls them, they go down by one to a minimum of zero. It also says if at any point there are two or more objective markers with six or more, the battle ends. Yeah, that's wild. Just but, the immediate end condition. But that's there because of the how to win the game. How to win is if any objective markers had a generation or gestation tally of six or more, the defender gets 90 and the attacker scores zero. Yeah. So it's an all or nothing. So if one hits that. Yeah. Then you, you can't the win. Defender. But also, like, it's interesting, though, because that's the that's exactly what the other one was. The, 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 the beacon ones was. And the game didn't end. Right. You still played the rest of the game. So as the game immediately ends, if you hit that. Is yeah, a little weird. We, yeah. we ignored that part. Sure. Okay. Um, and then the second one is if no objective markers hit six or more, the defender gets zero and the attacker gets 90. So this really was an all or nothing yeah, battle. for sure. And I got to fight a mechanized Space Marines list. So, Kevin, this was my first Space Marines. You said you're like, oh, I don't want to fight Space Marines. I'm like... Well, I don't want to fight specifically Gravis Armor <laughs> Space Marines anymore. Because <laughs> I, I fought Eldar. Then I fought the Titans. Yep. Then I fought Orcs. And now I've fought Space Marines. So I've gotten good variety. And also, I've had two Pact of Annihilation and two Pact of Resistance. So I've had a complete balance. I've just been Pact of Enlightenment. Enlightenment. Because that's the fault. That's the biggest one, yes. The problem he had on this board is it was so packed full of terrain. My vehicles had problems. His vehicles had problems. Because of that, I knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly where there, there was no mystery to that because you just couldn't move through the buildings with your vehicles. Yeah. And he had to get to my vines. It's kind of like in the other all or nothing game. There was one that was, um, dreadnought that could get there because his list was like four dreadnoughts, a red repulsor with all mm-hmm. of the weapons and a knight. Well, and some infantry, but they didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Once I got that one, oh, and two tech marines, which I made sure to kill. Once I got that first Tech Marine and Dreadnought dead, he had nothing else that could really reach that top one. Yeah. And so by then I knew I had the game, but we still played it out. And so he kept on moving forward and he determined after seeing them at work, he does not like Thunderkin. The Thunderkin's anti-vehicle two up was just shredding his Dreadnoughts. Yeah. That's the danger when you're taking... Like a mechanized list like that, like a Dreadnought list or a you know, Mauler Fiend or things like that. Yep. 
is, yeah, if you run into the right matchup, you're just going to have a bad day. Well, and the other thing, Kevin, you, you have always said, like, one-shot things like the Magna Rail Rifle mm-hmm. or the Heavy Magna Rail is swingy. Yes. Yeah. Twice yeah. I rolled the six to get the Devastating Wounds. Nice. Twice it was, like, 12 and... 10 wounds. It was just, no, I think it was 12. It was a mate, a ton of wounds. And both those times it popped a dreadnought. Yeah. And then another time he had a dreadnought that was trying to charge one of my Sagittars. I overwatched with the land fortress, rolled a six to hit. It went through wounded. He failed the save 12 wounds on that shot and the pop the dreadnought. So that's I'm like, awesome. That was a great sniper shot to land fortress. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So the land fortresses were doing work. And I think it helped that. He had, like, the repulsor, that gun could just shred things. Yeah. But he was so focused on the Thunderkin, he left the Land Fortresses alone. The only damage the Land Fortresses took all game was from explosions. Oh, wow. We had three explosions that game. (laughs) And two of my vehicles and one of his dreadnoughts. The Lord of Skulls has died in three of the games, but has not exploded yet. Even though I've re-rolled, command re-rolled it (laughs) multiple times, because I really want that to happen. But yes, so the other thing we had in this game was we had to pick our champion our guy wanted to kill. I misinterpreted this kind of, thinking it had to be the highest point thing on the board, so I picked the knight. So my warlord was going after his knight. And so he kept moving his knight, so I said, okay, warlord, get back in the Sagittar now that you've taken out this dreadnought. We're chasing down that knight. And then I realized, oh, well, this difficult train of vines is getting in my way. (laughs) And I was also rolling ones and twos on my advance rolls. My, Uh, my, my. Now have the turntables. Yes. (laughs) But also at that time, I'd finally dropped in my, um, the hearth guard and they made short work of his warlord's unit. And so he's like, and just like in the KC open, we kind of made a deal. Like when I had with my neck rods where he said, I just need my warlord to live. I'm like, that's fine. You back off. It gives me a clear path to get to your yeah. knight. Yeah. So he did, and I did, took the Sagittar, got to there, popped out the knight, and then I'm like, okay, I can't kill him with my call right away because I can't do 24 wounds in a round. No. So I had all the rest of my things get it down to like four wounds. And then. So the call would have had, he, he does three wounds with his punch. Yep. So I had to have two go through. I got three. Oh, well, I command rerolled to get the third one. Three go in. He saves one of them. Two go through. The call gets the kill. Nice. So I've had now a call kill a knight and a nine here champion take down the Perfirian knight. That's pretty, in melee. That's pretty dope. So it's like, yeah. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. He had fun with it too, and that was what mattered because he'd been saying he'd been only playing like five months. He was oh, more that's cool. he was more into the painting side of things. Yeah. And to get this, he was like, okay, what can I scrounge together? Because he apparently his paint has lots of he finds cool models, paints yeah. them. Yeah. And he's like, I want to play, and he's like. I have to scrounge together 2,000 points to actually go. Yeah. So, I mean, he was very new. I tried to help him out with what I could remember, but mm-hmm. I truthfully, I have not played the Space Marines Codex enough to remember all the yeah. detachments. Oh, for sure. Because he yeah. was not using a detachment I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was probably using the, the Vanguard, iron, the, the, yeah, one the iron the, hand one, basically the one be. for the vehicles. Yes, yeah. I believe so. I forget what they call it, but yeah. Right. He had fun was the important part. No, we, absolutely. We, we laughed at some things. Overall, everybody seems like is having a blast. People are getting into it every time the pack leader comes by. Oh, like okay. All the, all the chaos people are screaming, you know, blood for the blood god, or like, 
or as at some point, I think you mentioned, like, is it the nineties again? Cause like he's, no, he's that walking, wasn't me, but that somebody was, else, yeah. yeah, we're sitting there and like he's coming in and everyone starts going, hoo, 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 hoo. and like, is this the nineties or something that's going on well, here? The yeah. one that out of character I love, but in character I'm not loving is orcs. Yeah. Cause when one of them calls a wah, all the other orc players in the room shout wah. Oh, yeah. So it, exactly. it's, it's great, yeah. especially in the sanctum. You can have a lot. Oh, um, yeah. and there's actually a lot of orcs here. Yeah. What I loved, even in the competitive event, orcs players are still going to be orcs players. <laughs> so, like, you're in the huge room with a thousand players. Some orc player calls a wah and yells wah and immediately just ripples through where every other orc player yells it as well. It's hilarious. <laughs> that is another fun thing to, I guess, normal, but also yeah. the narrative. It, it was cool hearing the wah. Yeah. Even though I was like, no. No, it's awesome. <laughs> the recap for day two, uh, you know, we did the debriefing. Pact of Annihilation has been catching up and been collecting skulls and sowing chaos. Pact leader is now basically, yeah, you know, it's be cool to destroy this thing, but maybe we can harness it to, you know, the command entity to fight, you know, the emperor on Terra and stuff. So you can kind of see that his priorities are changing a little bit, but Pact of Annihilation is kind of making progress. Oh, but he said, let's go take the fight to Terra. Yeah. Everybody cheered from the pact. Oh, sure. Of course. Because <laughs> again, Pact of Annihilation, go wreck shit. That's the goal. Oh, not just that, but Terra. That's yeah. something special yeah. for the chaos. True. So that was cool. And then the exalted leader came up and basically did her full on zinch reveal. Started talking about the strands of fate and changing things and things like that. So it's, and like she had like a zinch staff. So it's basically implied that she's like the changeling. Yeah. And she just wants it to be free it in Rome about the yeah, universe. Manipulating the command entity to be free. And then the uh, Inquisitor came in and they yelled at each other. And he he walked in about halfway to the room in his full Terminator armor, yelled at her, and then, like, backed away. Because I think that's about as far as he could move. Yes. That <laughs> but does it was not look very... No, it does not. <laughs> uh, and then this whole time, the command entity is, you know, lifting up from the planet and, like, kind of, like, unshackling itself. And we hear the command entity voice describing that, you know, the all the fighting and all these things are like weakening his bonds and like loosening him and he's getting ready to like be revealed. Yeah. And I'll let you kind of, well, and, and he walks in with a very clear metallic face mask yeah. and kind of like red mechanicus robes. So it's like, well, is he mechanicus? Is he dark mechanicus? Is yeah. he that? And he just comes in and saying, Hey, I was held prisoner here by these shackles. Pretty much, he pretty much implied by the mechanicus, they wanted to use me. Instead, I locked them. I got rid of all of them. And the ones I didn't get rid of, I've used as my servants. But I could not escape. Thanks to you guys, I am now free. And I'm going to go. He didn't say enact revenge, but he was just more like, I am going to be free. I'm and free and I can do what I want now. Yeah. So it's this mysterious like other entity that we don't really know what it is. But it's implied that it's you know an artificial intelligence, yes. that it's some sort of thinking machine. And the big thing that's going on on the discords and everyone talking about is we think it's a man of iron. It could absolutely be a man of iron, yeah. Very exciting. So, not an ancestor core, but close. Yeah. Very cool. Like, honestly, like, uh, super cool narrative. Like, it's not done yet, obviously. We still have another day to see what actually happens, but... You know, one of those things where, like, I could absolutely see this tying into, like, a larger story to bring in a new faction, to bring, to well, change that is the universe. That, there is the redacted faction this summer. 
Yeah. So could that be Men of Iron? Could it be Dark Mechanics? Could it be, so, yeah, so it could tie into that. I mean, there's a lot of potential for this. And like GW's always said that this is, you know, a canon event. This is, you know, this is a Helping thing. Helping set the future. Yeah, so. The start of a new thing is happening here. Yeah. Very exciting. And like I said, hopefully we'll have more revealed tomorrow. There was also the painting showcase. Oh, man, which was, those were Which nice. was really cool. There was a, a really cool, like, ice blue Tyranids army. Sitting right next to it, like a nice jungle green and red Tyranids <sighs> <Yeah>. army. <laughs> yeah. Some really cool, well-painted armies. There was also a really cool Eldar Exodite army. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, that was converted out of uh, Sylvaneth models. So it was all, like, druid. So the Avatar was, like, the big uh, dryad tree Yeah, I don't giant. know who wants to play an Exodus Exodite army, huh? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But it was kind of <laughs> funny because I was looking at it, and I'm like... Oh, that's actually the idea I had for like converting a, an avatar of Kane into, you know, for an Exodite army. And he, you know, the rest of it, he's using all the, the infantry models. He's, so like, yeah, like he used all of the heads and like the arms and stuff out of the Corsairs kit because and, there's so many bits. And I'll toss this out. He actually been wanting to get to the Deep Forest Dome and he hasn't yeah. been able to. So when he was in the Scars, when I was yep. there, he told his pact leader, I want to go there. And so she went into that room and brought him a tree branch out and handed it to yeah, him. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny story. No, that you want forest? Cool. Here, here you go. There you go. <laughs> take, take the forest with you wherever you go. Uh, again, let's get Tolkien here. <laughs> <laughs> no, so day two was uh, was also very, very cool. I'm excited to see what the next day brings. Very tired, ready to not do anything for a little bit. See, I was tired when we started. We've gotten all this talking about it. Now I'm getting pumped up again. Now you're pumped again? I'm getting pumped again. Good, 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 good. So now I probably won't be able to sleep. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll leave it here, and we'll have the day three wrap-up tomorrow. Probably be shorter with that one and maybe do a full recap later, because we have a very early flight on Monday. Yes, so, yes. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do after, after the event wraps up tomorrow. Play it by ear. Yeah, we'll play it by ear. back with the final day yeah this is a really great event like overall can't have enough great things to say about it like three thumbs up yeah it's been a blast <laughs> today was a long day as well like just it was a little tighter with the time frame just because they wanted to get everything done earlier so everything was moved forward a little bit it but- was but i as we talked earlier at dinner i did yeah. not feel any rush at all today today yeah. kind of feel like my easiest time of just like Chill type days. Your, your games both ended earlier than mine. Oh, that's so, true too. Yeah, but even mine like didn't didn't feel like slogs or anything like that. So it was a little bit tight, a little bit of a tighter turnaround between games. All right, and I think I, I think part of that was when we talked day one. They did not have the rooms open. Yep. Until the first games were like set to start, so people were then trying to get into the rooms, trying to find their tables, trying to get set up, and that. I don't say it was a cluster, but I mean, that kind of added to the time and the pressure. And since it felt like the morning games were the ones that got the crunch while the afternoon games had that extended time, that was what did it. But the other days we went in, we kind of, we were told our our battle group tables early so we could go kind of find, kind of set up and 
Yeah. I think that's what helped out on that. No, for sure. We had enough time to get in there, kind of find a spot in the, the area that we were in. We still didn't know exactly what table we were in, but get set up, get, I got my army out, put it on my display board, was able to walk around, move things if I needed to. So that was very helpful. So it, um, it made a really good start. And also, I guess, air quote, getting here early because Kevin and I are, are, I'll say early birds. We got kind of got to see them and help out sometimes of setting up the tables, yeah. like the tea lights in the sanctum. Yeah. Oh my God. Every table so had like eight to 10 tea lights. Yeah. There were tea lights coming up and down the stairs leading to there. All of them had to be turned on every day. And I'm assuming they turned them off every night. Oh, yeah. Well, that's otherwise yeah. they wouldn't have to turn them on. And so we, we both helped out with that because yeah. that seemed like a nice thing to do. Yeah, for and sure. When you run an event, you, you want as much help as you can get. So, yeah. <laughs> you sound like you speak from experience. Exactly. <laughs> so we did our, our debrief in the morning. Ours was basically, you know, at the end of yesterday, you know, we kind of revealed what the command, you know, the command had was this abominable intelligence. And our PAC commander for PAC Annihilation was like, you know, started talking about like, you know, we should work with this. We should capture this. We should use this. So it was interesting. It was like some people were kind of split of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That didn't sound great either. So a little bit of dissension, you know, in the ranks. But for the most part, everyone's like, yeah, I guess we'll go for it. I think they designed it so each pact would have that dissension yeah. because even oh, resistance sure. which neither one of us was in had their own dissension of we think this might be related to zinch yeah. we're not sure if we want to follow it and then at least in enlightenment a lot of people were thinking the inquisitor was going crazy and that's what our briefing was was yeah. the commissar who led the ice fortress room yep. came out and said okay the inquisitor's not feeling well he's not in his right mind but let's go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt for now, and let's show him that we we will trust him, and we can go by the path of what I tell you, and we will convince him his path is wrong. Yeah. And then we went off to play our first games. Yep. Yeah. Same here. So, yeah, it was like you know try to you know break their lines and you know and, and advance forward. It's like okay, we, I was in the fivefold forge again, and we were playing empty the vaults. So it was, you know, basically the mad scramble to, like, grab the loot you can on the way out. I played against <laughs> Manza, his Grey Knight Ardent Lance. I did not have to play another Space Marine Gravis Armor army. It was a Space Marine Terminator army <laughs> that could teleport around. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. It was a good game. It was a really fun matchup. Great guy to play against. So this mission, you had basically six objectives set up on the table. And you get points progressively by holding the objectives. And then the start of each battle round, starting on round two, okay. you would, the defender, who was me, would randomly decide, like, would randomly roll a die and that objective marker would go away. This would come back to hurt me. And I have no one to blame but myself because I was the one rolling the dice. So I was the defender. We rolled. I went first. So, which is always helpful with world leaders. Charged forward, got on the objectives, was able to hold him with sticky objectives with my jackals, and like pushed forward into his lines. I had given some upgrades to my mm -hmm. exalted eight bound to give them a nine inch scout movement. Dang. I had basically got to the point where everything, all of my infantry units had six up, feel no pain, which blessings of corn goes to five up. So like very like resilient. Um, was able to get in there, was able to assault this Terminator squad. Grey Knights have movement shenanigans where you get close to them, they can back up. You know, they can they can stratagem to, to back fall back, they can stratagem to go up and to teleport, things like that. The downside to that is is if you do 
you assault multiple units or hit multiple units at the same time, they can't all do it. It's just one. And once you've gotten them in assault, they can't either. Uh, no, they still could. Oh, they still could? Wow. They can't out of assault too, yeah. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Well, they'd have to make a test if they were fighting the exalted eight pound. And they, they failed it once, so they couldn't do that. And that unit died. <laughs> so it was just, you know, I was pushing forward. There was a fight. Unit would go up into teleport, come back down, come back down on an objective. I was dominating the early game. Managed to, like, I don't think I really lost. I think I eventually lost both of my eight pound units to his Terminators, like, in back and forth combat. And I lost Demon Prince to Terminators, because Terminators, are just, they hit hard. But it was, again, melee-focused army, so it was a good matchup. We ran in, we fought, we were fighting. I basically was able to kill his army down to the last, like, couple turns. He had a member of a strike squad, one of his librarians, and then the chaplain and his five-man Terminator unit. That was it. He had seven models on the table. But that was three different units, so they are able to teleport around and get on the objectives. Even though I was able to, you know, got forward, did linebreaker, held most of the objectives, most of the game, the last couple of turns, he was able to hold them. And on the last turn, I ended up shooting the the strike squad guy and the captain and killing them. If I had not shot them to death, I could have actually charged them with the Lord of Skulls and taken the objective they were standing on. I was calculating it up after, so I ended up losing 70 to 50. I think if I had gotten that one, because there was points each round for hold one, hold more, etc., and then there was a static bonus at the end for however many you were holding. All of the ones that I had been holding, like my jackals would mark and make sticky, disappeared. So I lost all of the <laughs> ones that I was holding. I was holding one up in the top corner, the one that I was in the middle that I was fighting over. If I had been able to assault and get the Lord of Skulls on it, I would have held that, which would have held two. And then I would have had an extra 15 points, which would have meant that I would have won 60 to 65. But, you know, it happens. It was a super fun game, super killy. It was a lot of fun. It was a good game. <laughs> As for me, I got to be in the Shrine for the second time. So both of us had been in four different locations. In our fifth game, we were both in a location we'd been for before. Yeah. my I also did the Empty the Vaults. So that was interesting that we both got the same one because we yep. played a lot of different missions. Yeah, yeah. And I think by this point in the narrative, I think they were all – I think we were starting to play the same missions because right. we were getting to the end game. And yeah, ours was – this was the – place where there was religious symbols Mm -hmm. and the religion, even though they were false religions, they were trying to use that religious power to power up the entity. Yep. And so we were to grab whatever relics we could and bring them to the ecclesiarchy who was going to leave with them or destroy them if he didn't like them. So yeah, same mission. I was playing against chaos space Marines. Okay. So last night I did space Marines and now I did chaos space Marines. It looked like a Slaanesh army. Because everything was like in the purples and it had mm-hmm. Slanesh symbols on him. But it was just a Chaos Space Marine army. Mostly because his large squad of, I guess, normal Space Marines were mm-hmm. Chaos Undivided. Okay. And then all of his heavy and vehicles were Nurgle. Yeah. And then, of course, his noise Marines were Slanesh because they had to be. They had to be, yeah. <laughs> he got the first turn. And that's kind of what decided the game in a way. Because on the first turn, he rushed forward his Possessed. And failed his charge. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) So in the bottom of one, I used, I'll say my whole army, except for, well, I had one squad of warriors who were kind of trying to gain, like, I'll say the southeast point. 
And I had the other two points on the east side because I was the defender. So other than those five, everything else started shooting at the possessed until they were gone. Target priority, Kevin. Shoot at something until it's dead. Mm-hmm. No matter if you waste shots. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but then after that, I I was able to start hitting the rest of his army because he had three tanks. He had Terminators, he had Obliterators, and Nurgle apparently has a stratagem, which is annoying, where if you target something, they can, and you're outside of 12 inches, they spin a CP and say, no, target somebody else. Yep. I didn't like that. Yep. Butterflies. <laughs> yep. Because of that, I, I ended up shooting at the Terminators because I couldn't hit the vehicles, but I got around that next turn. In the next turn, closer. yeah, my Sagittars can book. Yes. And so I easily got within 12 inches, blew up. Two more of his vehicles. Well, he was hurting his own vehicles because of his dark packs. He sure. was failing so many leadership saves. Yeah. I mean, I everyone who did it at least failed one. It was crazy. But yeah, took those out. And I was concerned because, oh yeah, the top of one, the point that went away was the point on the southwest where he had moved half of his army. Yeah. So he already lost that one. His demon prince came forward and murdered my... Hearthkin warriors that were on there. And it was at this time we kind of made a, a pact of our own of, I didn't really want to help enlightenment anymore because the inquisitor seemed crazy. And he said, I just care about leaving my warlord in your line. I'm like, okay, how about this? You marve him into my line. I won't shoot him and I'll just take out the rest of your army. He agreed. So I didn't have to deal with a demon prince. Nice. I mean, I probably could have. Sure. But, but yeah. It worked out because then I kind of was moving in the north. And then on turn two, I dropped down all the hearth guard. Yeah. And some of them were going to help with the vehicles up north. Some of them were going to help with the uh, the obliterators and the other vehicle down south. All my rest of my shooting took out the terminators and the vehicles up north. So my hearth guard were kind of standing there. Oof. And then they shot at the vehicle, took out the vehicle. They had nothing left to charge. So they just kind of stood there and waved at the obliterator and it waved back. And it was a squad of four, so it was a lot of obliterators. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then the next turn, I took out the obliterators and I'd consolidated my forces where I had pretty much the entire north of the board. All he had left was his squad of normal space marines. Yeah. Because I took out the noise marines on the way. And then we kind of talked through and he said, yeah, it's pretty much over because next turn you'll kill them. And that's why the game ended so quickly yeah because i think you came you came down to be like <laughs> like look at our game and we were like turn two or turn three yeah and like melee armies games go slower i was like you're already done that's yeah and i think it was like another hour before my game was done. it was because i was waiting for you for lunch <laughs> no but that's because that was the possessed was the yeah. main force oh, of his army absolutely. once it was gone it was just kind of mopping yeah. up no absolutely because yeah like i said i, I talked about this before we we're playing the escalation league before the points adjustments i was fighting I think it's Slanesh possessed. And they were like at the points, there was like, okay, with dark packs, they hit just as hard. They're tougher. There's more of them. Oh, and they're cheaper. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know. Cheaper matters. Yeah. You know, when I when I fought against those possessed, unit of ten possessed against a unit of six, eight bound. And that was no matchup. Like they just went right through them. Yeah, if you can kill a unit of possessed I, that quickly, that's that yeah. That that is huge. And I'll also say he killed some stuff, but it, the funny part was I had three guys not get on the board at all because oh, wow. the first turn he when why he also why his possessed failed the charge he blew he wanted to kill my warlord who's mm-hmm. in a sagittar he blew up the sagittar well three of the squad didn't make it out because <sighs> I rolled lots of ones yeah but because he did that I could have it the call set up at the back 
And suddenly his like seven inch charge was now like a 10 inch or 11 inch charge. So that's why he didn't make it. But yeah, no, it was a fun game. He had a lot of fun. Good. He's from the Oklahoma area, kind of runs things from there. I'm just like, he does a lot of good painting too. He, he was the one who had the Sigmar Demon Prince, who we talked about. Okay. Talked about yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, and I actually liked his model. I mean, he said, he said it's the Sigmar Games Workshop model, but I liked his paint job. I'll say yeah, it that way. Yeah. No, and some of the, some of the, the Slanesh models for Age of Sigmar are just amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. And so we talked because I, He's going to, he's slowly getting into Emperor's Children because he wants to build that full up. And actually, he showed me how he had his noise marines. And I told him, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I got two of the guitar guys. I've got them like primed. Told him there was still a uh, Fulgrim. uh, No, I did not talk about Fulgrim because he's playing 40K, not 30K. Just saying. Once there's a 40K Fulgrim, we'll talk. Fair enough. Yes. No, it was a fun game then. Um, Then we, uh, we, Lunch. lunch, we, you know, a little <laughs> shorter lunch break today, which was fine. Our game ended a little bit early and we, you know, to get back in there. And then they had a mid midday brief. Oh, I need to get in that then. Halfway through the games up there, yep. uh, Zach came by and he called. He wanted a pact of enlightenment person from each battle group. Okay. To come talk yes. to him. Yes. Yeah. I went to go get Dom because Dom's kind of been the Space Marine player mm-hmm. who's been leading or the most vocal. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Dom wasn't around. I guess they took a break or something. So I said, well, I'll go. And the other people just kind of looked at me because we've had a very quiet battle group. Sure. I felt bad being the Votan going over there. But I said, I went over there and said, okay. so he said, OK, are you going to follow the Inquisitor and try and save this? Or are you going to follow the um, Commissar. Commissar and try and destroy it? I said, well, from the conversations my battle group had, we will try and destroy it, even though personal preference, we'll try and save it. But sure. that's because Voton will save the AI. And yeah. he just said, noted, but, and he just went yeah. on and said, you're dismissed. I'm like, oh, okay. But what that was for was leading into the briefing yeah. that we had later. When we had the second briefing, it was a dissension in the ranks type briefing where the Inquisitor didn't even come out. Yeah. So we only had the Commissar come out to tell us what was going on and that some of you were seemed to be following the Inquisitor and you shouldn't. And that kind of is what kind of led into the, I think, something that in the end you enjoyed in the way that you got to not play Space Marines. But that led into the last round being Pact of Enlightenment versus Pact of Enlightenment. Nice. Because of the dissension. And I'm pretty sure that's that's why he was asking that question to us. So he could pair up the different battle groups based on what the leader of said battle group was saying. That's awesome. We'll get to the end. That played out in the end, too. With ours, the Pact leader came out and was, you know, was talking about this. Like, you know, yeah, you guys did good. We're, We're getting close to the end to get off this planet. You know, we're giving this, a, we're going to shackle this, this intelligence and give it to Bashtor instead of being like, you know, it's like now instead of being dedicated to Corrin, I'm dedicated to Bashtor, you know, instead of skulls for the skull throne, it was souls for the soul forge. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and it's one of those things where I was like, I was a little bit iffy about keeping it. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's for, it's for Bashtor. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and they were like, you know, this will help us get off the planet. I'm like, I don't really care about that. Whatever. You know, I'm like, do I get to kill stuff? Cool. So, yeah, so the final one was like, okay, you know, now we're serving Vashtor instead. So we went down, our, our battle group went to the uh, Deep Force room, and we got to play Pact, uh, Pact of Resistance. Resistance. So I got to play Rockstar 897123, The Forgotten and the Found. That is Curtis, who's local here in Atlanta, who's a Tau player and he's been playing for about a year. 
that was really cool. So I got to play my fallen fallen Tau against his regular Tau. So we had a you know we had a good narrative going on there because his forces were led by Shadow Sun. So I was like, okay, well, Farsight wants to go have a word. Because <laughs> if you read the uh, Arcs of Omen book, he's like, hey, uh, can you guys come help me? And they told him to shove off. So this was the result in, in my world. It was like, oh, he became <laughs> this. Uh, I would like to, sir, I'd like to speak to the manager. So it was really cool. You know, I hadn't played Tau in, in 10th edition yet. Obviously, like we've read through and we talked about it. But, you know, so I know how the army kind of plays, but I'd not actually seen how they play. They shoot guns. They shoot a lot of guns. <laughs> so the the one thing I'll say is, well, in keeping up with the theme of Terminator Heavy Army, Heavy Army, Gravis Army, Gravis Army, Custodes, Terminator Grey Knights, this was Christ almost suits. all battle suit Tau. So Shadow Sun, <laughs> two Riptides, Long Strike, another Hammerhead, a Devilfish with Breachers. And then a unit of six crisis suits and a cold star commander and two three man units of broadsides. One were missile sides and one were the rail sides. Hammer, uh, broadsides have eight wounds apiece. They are tough as. <laughs> I, and he was a little worried. He's like, you know, because he'd not played World Eaters. I can explain. He's like, oh, you guys move fast. And then we were playing Insurgency. So in Insurgency, there are four objectives on the table. Or I guess actually sorry, five. five. Yeah, yeah, five. I keep forgetting the what the other symbol is. There's on the cards, there's a different symbol Skull. if you're playing two thousand points as opposed to one thousand. Mm. And it always throws me off. So there's five objectives on the marker on the table, and they start unprimed. The attacker can go prime the explosives to basically blow up the objectives. The defender can unprime them. At the end of the game, you get victory points about how many you've you've triggered. So I was the defender and the defender was first. So <laughs> Not only was I kind of on the advantage, I was able to scout my eight bound, my exalted eight oh bound gosh. nine inches forward. I was able to scout my other eight bound six inches forward. I then rolled, I, on my blessings of corn, I got uh, moving, uh, advance and charge. Oh, God. So he had two units of broadsides on the back table edge that I assaulted. Notice he said had. Well, no, they actually survived. Okay. One, one of them. <laughs> They did actually survive a couple rounds. One of them didn't end until the, didn't die, completely die until the end of the game. But yeah, like I was able to like I got I rolled very well on my advances. I rolled very well. I had some other like extra things of like extra movements like that it, from the crusade upgrades. It was he was like holy smokes that's so fast. But crisis suits especially in broadsides are tough. Yeah. And like that's the thing. It's like even in melee, you know, they, they're tough and it's like broadsides of two up armor eight wounds like they don't have invalid saves but most the best ap i really have is ap ap3 on those things so he's still getting a save you know five ups i put him on the back foot initially like was right up in his lines but i you know i kind of held like the jackals back a little bit because i couldn't they didn't need to be on the objectives to hold and just need to be there to clear him if they ever got to him so he tried to you know shoot you know fall back and shoot out that because crisis suits can fall out fall back and still shoot. So he would fall back and shoot and would shoot up the the unit. Uh, he eventually killed the unit of exalted eight bound or the unit of eight bound that was on one side. The other side, I used, I did kill them with my exalted eight bound, but yeah, they would basically, they would fall back, jump, you know, jump out, shoot something else would come in and like, but they weren't able, I was so fast that I was able to recharge. So every turn I was making all these charges. 
we're getting in there a little bit closer. I shot all the guns at Longstrike's hammerhead and took Longstrike down from like 12 wounds to five. Like, that's good. I was hoping to have done more, but you know, whatever. Shooting's fine. I'll, I'll assault him. And I was trying to decide because there's two hammerheads. I'm like, really only assault one. I don't really know, like, you know, which one I want to do. So at that time, over the Vox, uh, you know, over the speakers comes the Inquisitor from the, the orbital station. And he's saying, you know, oh, actually, the first, sorry, the first year came in first. The exalted leader came in first and said, you know, there's, there's a storm coming. Do you want to take cover or not? And we were like, no, why would we do that? And then a few minutes later came it over there, you know, orbital bombardment coming in. And then they came in, they, they rolled on our table, they rolled 2d6 and you know, like just kind of, you know, threw them on the table. And he's like, the higher one is where the strike hits. One landed next to my Lord of Skulls. One landed next to Longstrike. Longstrike was a, was a five. The Lord of Skulls is one. So it was next to Longstrike. Oh, thank gosh. So I was like, D6 mortal wounds. So he rolled it and rolled a six and <laughs> blew up Longstrike. Make uh, a decision for you. Yeah. So I was like, well, that makes this easier. Farsight went and charged into Shadow Sun to try to get that, you know, to have that conversation. <laughs> the Lord of Skulls. Uh, went into the other hammerhead and killed it. The Riptides had been shooting up Farsight, so he was down to three wounds left or something. So I get into Shadow Sun, and I'm like, okay, I want to kill kill this character. Let's have this duel. And I decide, I'm like, well, she's an involved stage like that, I'm st- but a tough four or five, whatever. I'm going to use the sweep attack, which is the multiple attacks. So 18 hmm. attacks, okay? I'm Eight, shaking my head at you, Kevin. 18 attacks at oh, strength no, 12. no. Okay, well, because here's the thing. The strike attack is like strength would have been with the Berserker Glaive, like strength 15. 17 attacks at strength 12, hitting on twos, should be more than enough. But what's the save? Uh, save was four up, uh, four up invuln. So it would have been like okay. the Okay, then okay. So I rolled those 17 attacks. I hit with like five on a two up. Oh, man. Yeah. And then I wounded, or I hit, I think I hit with like, I think I hit with like 10 and only wounded with five. And it was basically hitting on twos, wounding on twos. And then the damage was, it was just one damage. Right. It was like AP one. Yeah. So it was like AP one, one damage. So yeah, it was a bunch of four ups. So, so, so Shadow Sun took like two damage and then fell back and shot him with the multi gun. That's not how you kill characters. Yeah. I'm like, well, that sucked. So how, how you kill characters is my master of execution who is made of Shadow Sun, like converted Shadow Sun <laughs> model, ran over and just slaughtered her. Because the Master of Executions just kills characters. Two up, two up weapon skill, strength seven on the charge, full rerolls of hits and wounds against characters. And like the I had given her the the Master of Execution upgrade, so it was three damage. So like I did like six wounds. I did I did a twelve wounds to her. So, yeah. Dead. That's how you kill a character. Yeah, that's how you kill a character. But I was disappointed because the Demon Prince, every game the Winged Demon Prince did die, so died in all six games, didn't ever really kill a lot, but was an excellent distraction card effects that kept the, the heat off the Lord of Skulls. So That's true, because the Lord of Skulls normally dies first. Yes. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he dropped his crisis suits in, shot up a bunch of stuff, wiped out a bunch of my Berserkers. The Berserkers turned around and hit them. And at one point I hit him with a, fr- a full 10 unit, 10 man unit of berserkers Ooh. was like, okay, you know, I'm do the Lord's attacks first, do the, the special weapons. Then I'm going to do the rest of the attacks and I'm picking up dice. And I'm like, I'm going to roll these separately because, um, 
I literally can't fit all of them in my hands to roll. So I'm going to roll this tw- in twice, if you don't mind. He's like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of the same way when he was shooting because he had six <laughs> crisis suits, double plasma, get with you know with the commander there, so they were getting extra attacks, all these, and it's like so and sustained hits because they were that unit was was in uh, Montcov on turn two with the upgrade that he given them. They were sustained hits too. The crisis suits were just pumping fire out, but eventually was able to get him down there because they would shoot. I would sustain some of it. I would assault wipe a bunch of them out, they'd fall back, shoot. I'd yeah. sustain some of it. And it was just kind of this thing. And ended up, Yeah, ended up basically just, just attriting them down. He made the decision on like round three to try to play the objective. So he moved his riptides, which both still have like really great movement, to onto objectives, but that meant they can't shoot and they can't spot for other units because right. you, because that's your action. Right. He basically took the riptides out of the game to play this, which let me catch up to them and eventually kill them. So I ended up tabling him on top of five, but I wasn't able to get to one of the objectives that he'd flipped. So the final ended up being like 70 to 20, but it was a really fun game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was just, it was really good, really, really good thematic game to play. And I was really glad that we got to play in the deep forest dome. Cause right. that was just a cool, that made yeah. meant you played out in five of the six rooms. Yeah. And that was just a really cool environment. So which room did you not play in? I didn't play in uh, Bad Rooms Valley. Well, guess who did? Who did? Me. Yay. <laughs> You're good at this guessing game, Kevin. Oh, during that game. Sorry, that was the other thing. I just realized as I <laughs> itching my forehead. During that game, the commander for the Pact of Annihilation came in and marked anybody who wanted it on both sides with the mark of Vashtor. So I have like this red Vashtor symbol in my head that I think I've smeared because... Yeah. It's like, right. And as we walked around for dinner, he, yeah. people gave him weird people looks. People gave me weird looks. And I was like, at one point, I was like, why are people looking at me? Oh, that's right. I mean, red I blood smeared on my face. about saying, did you want to wipe your forehead before no. we go up? And I was like, nah, nah. I won't. He probably knows. Nah. <laughs> nah, I just kind of kept forgetting about it. I'll say these things that will come into play later. But the things he described in his room, I think happened in all because they definitely yeah. happened in ours. Yep. We had the Zinich lady come in and says, Hey, a storm is coming. I can protect you. Do you want to be saved? And since this was a room of Path of Enlightenment Imperium versus Path of Enlightenment Imperium, everyone just looked at her and kind of laughed. Everyone was like, piss off, Wanka? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what our room was, too. But then when the big thing happened, oh, like, oh, I guess that's what she meant. But yes, the yeah. th- I'll get to that, too. Go ahead. No, I was like, trying to think. I don't know that anybody in our room decided to hide. So I don't know what would have happened if you did. Don't know. We yeah. Did, no one yeah. did in ours, either. And then we also did have Pact of Annihilation come in. So it wasn't just you sure, guys. He came sure. to everybody. And yeah. to my surprise, about a third to half of the room took him up on it. Yeah, we had a couple of Path of Resistance people that took him up on it, too. So it wasn't just all of the Path of Annihilation people. So it was a I, I w- well, maybe it, wasn't. maybe it was just a third. But yeah. it was still a lot more than I thought yeah. would. We, we kind of just looked at him like he was crazy. But I did that the entire weekend. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was in the valley, and this was my fifth different room. Yep. The only one I didn't play in was the Fivefold Forge, which I kind of felt was funny because I'm the Votan. Yeah. It'd be nice to have Votan in the Forge. Yeah, that was the most cramped room. <laughs> I was thankful for not yeah. being in the cramped room, though. So, yeah. And this was the last game of the day. I had a nice, spacious area with a chair. Yeah. I sat down. In the Deep Forest Dome, we were on like the one table in the corner. So I had this huge space behind me. So I was able to set my stuff down. And, it's like, a nice feeling, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's good to have space around every table. Mm-hmm. 
And you said for you play pretty much Space Marine, Space Marine. You have tons of power armor or yeah. big set. And we talked. I played first game against Eldar, then against Titans, Titans, and then against Orcs, and then against Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines. But both of them felt entirely different. Yep. In my sixth game, Mechanicus. Interesting. I've had six completely awesome. different armies in five completely different locations. It was amazing. So I loved the variety there. And it was kind of fitting that we had Mechanicus and Votan. And to be honest, Mechanicus is one that none of us really touch. Yeah. yeah. So it was still very brand new to me. And he said this was the first time he'd seen Votan in the flesh. Oh, nice. So he had, he'd seen them online and stuff, but never on a tabletop. Because we determined just overall there were, what, four, four. Votan players? That's yeah, I mean, could be more, but yeah, about we'll get what about three hundred players. We think we yeah yeah four Votan. What's the percent of that? It's yeah. like in between one and two yeah. percent of Votan. Very, yeah, I mean, we really felt like the minority. Well, we were, but <laughs> part of me is surprised because I think of Votan as being popular. Yeah, but I think two things. One, Votan might be seen as more competitive because they got sure. good recently. Sure. But I think even bigger is a lot of the players, especially if they were competitive players, were bringing out the toys they don't get to use in competitive. And most of those toys are probably either a Chaos something or a Space Marine something. I also think that a lot of people spent a lot of time building these armies and like a lot of thought went into them. Yes. Votan are still only... A few units. Well, what, a year and a half old? Yeah. There are some people like... (laughs) I told the story that I was like, oh, yeah, like I spent the summer converting this army, then I speed painted it in two weeks. And they were like, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's a, don't do that, kids. That's a bad plan. So I think a lot of people spent a lot of time. And like we talked about yesterday, like we saw the armies on display and oh, stuff gosh, like that. Like yeah. Some of these armies are really, really nice. Yeah, sorry. I, no, you're fine. I, we're having a conversation. Yeah. We're good. And just like you, we played Insurgency for the mission. When we were told we weren't assigned, so we rolled off for attacker defender, because we're kind of going at the same thing, I won the roll, so guess what I picked? Defender. You're right, because I wanted to go first with my shooty, and also defender had the easier time, because they all started unprimed, Yeah. so I just had to defend. Yep. Hence defender. Since he didn't know Votan and I didn't know Mechanicus, we helped each other with target priority, we kind of explained what everything did throughout the entire game, really. It was a lot of back and forth talking, and it really felt like a wonderful casual game. Good. And so I love that because he had so much stuff. Dune Stalkers, I think, are the chicken legs. Yes. He had a spider that was not that effectual. He said it wouldn't be, and it wasn't because I was going to mark it with a great choke. He said, you don't want to do that. (laughs) He had four of the robots, a squad of four. They were rough to deal with. I'll get to that later. They shoot a lot. He had Call as his warlord. He okay. had a squad of three, I'll call them destroyers because they look like Necron destroy- destroyers. Yeah, I guess actually they're called the destroyers. Okay, yeah. and then a squad of six of them. But they had different toughnesses and I guess a weapon loadout. Yeah, because there's two, there's like breachers and I forget what the other ones are called. There's two different loadouts. Yes. There's like one that's more heavily armored. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the heavily armored was six of them. The not heavily armored was three, but that not heavily armored had like anti-vehicle two up. And... As someone who was playing a bunch of grav guns, I didn't like anti-vehicle two up against all my vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not great. (laughs) Yeah. That was target priority. Well, it actually wasn't number one at first, but the start of the game, I like move my scout moves. And then on turn one, I 
moved by pioneers up, he overwatched with that big anti-vehicle group. It didn't matter their anti-vehicle. They just decimated the, or no, I think they just hurt the pioneers. No, they decimated the um, Sagittar. Ah. And Sagittar just blew up because I couldn't do anything. And so they got judged, which played into my, on my turn, that became target priority one. I moved my pioneers up. And there was a little V in the where he was set up, so I put myself at the point of the V with the set of the pioneers. So he was he couldn't move past them. He was going to have to kill them, and that ended up being a very smart move. So good good job, General Me. Also, a thing I learned that I don't like is Rad. Yeah, Rad. Rad's I not Rad. didn't think about it, but like at the start of the game, he had did it, and I was like, "Ow, that hurts." But on turn two, I still had a four like the Iron Master. And my one of my land fortresses is still in my deployment, well, barely in the deployment zone. So they got hit again. And then I'm like, okay, I'm moving everything out of the deployment zone and staying there. So started killing all of his destroyers and breachers because I got the destroyers gone. Took about half the breachers out. And then I'm like, okay, I'm doing decent well. And then the on his turn, the chicken legs came out and just melted a land fortress. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like that. And he had a transport. I assumed it was open-topped because it looked like that. But apparently it just has an yeah. open thing. Yeah. But it's, it yeah. is an assault vehicle because it has an assault ramp. So he, he could advance and put things out and drop things out. And he had the gun I will now always hate. I don't remember the name of it. But it was liquefying things with like anti-infantry, two-up, and devastating wounds. Yeah. It was horrible. He, he pointed it at my Grimnar. Suddenly there was no Grimnar. Mechanicums have a lot of tricks and a lot of like specialty things. If they're if they go up against the right target, they're really effective. Yes. Because of that though, they wind up if they get the wrong matchup and they bring the wrong tools, they are really hurting. Well, that's kinda how I felt about Dark Eldar a couple editions yep. ago was you either took poison or you took Melta. Yep. Nothing in between. As for this, so that I, I so I'd already destroyed the anti vehicle stuff. I needed to take care of chicken legs and this guy. And I just pointed at the guy. All of my hearth guard got to come in on turn two. I dropped them all so they could focus on that one guy. So I had two squads of hearth guard there, two sagittars there, what was left of my warriors, which is only three, and then my iron master. And I had this all to kill one guy. Well, and the squad that was just his ablative wounds because <laughs> yeah, you don't take a character that powerful by themselves. Um, and then it, I walked on the Thunderkin uh, that came on the side to try and have them kill a chicken thing. So I had started shooting. Uh, Thunderkin destroyed the chickenkin easily. Land Fortress one-shotted the chickenkin in the back. Oof. Well, the yeah. Magna Rail, Magna when Rails. it hits... Well, and also the, going back a turn, the Destroyers were one of my marked targets. So after I killed them, I got the three CP. Ah. I had the CP to re-roll when my Magna Rails had problems to make sure they yeah. either hit or wounded. Yep. And I think this one I actually got the devastating wounds on and rolled like 12 devastating wounds. So I maxed it out and it was just like crazy. Yeah. And then I put focus on the guy. Hearthguard are really good. They are. Really, really good. Really, really, really good. <laughs> they have these shoulder guns. That are D6, strength 4, AP 0, 1, blast each. I have a squad that has five of them, because that's standard kit. Yeah. Along with their normal gun. I rolled like 20 shots with that. Well, on five dice. I mean, yeah. you're going to get yeah. up there. And it's a little above average, though. 
they're only toughness three because they're Mechanicum. Yeah. So I was wounding them on threes. I mean, it's an AP zero, but Mechanicum don't have good saves anyway. I took out most of the squad in that first barrage, used my Volkite Disintegrators, took out the other mm-hmm. rest of them until he just had one dude and hit the guy. So I'm like, wow. So then I had Sagittargo next. It killed off the dude. And then the beam cannon killed off the guy quite easily. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that was easier than I thought. <laughs> but that's only because the Hearthguard, they're good in melee. And they're good at taking out small targets. Yeah. Like, like hordes. Yeah. And so they did their job. It was like rock, paper, scissors. And I threw rock at his scissors. What I wouldn't have given to fight a toughness three army (laughs) this weekend. Well, let's see. Or or even a toughness four army for that matter. (laughs) Let's see. Eldar, I mean, I'm not going to count Eldar as toughness three because it was mostly vehicles and jet bikes and and Wraith. Oh, Wraith. Ah. No, I didn't really fight many toughness three. Mechanicum's the only one. Yeah. Well, no, not that was only that squad. That was kind of three because I sure. think about it, it's like the robots were like T seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a the lot of destroyers were T seven and T yeah. six. There's a lot of tough stuff. <laughs> this edition, for sure. So with that out of the way, I then sent the Sagittar and the other squad of Hearthguard. And I think no, it's just the Sagittar shot the other uh, chicken leg thing and blew it up. So now all three of those targets were neutralized. Nice. My other Hearthguard just kind of said, "Oh." Okay, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So I had them shoot their grenade things at the vehicle that dropped off, and guess how many wins they did? A lot. Zero. Zero? It's strength four to toughness like well, eight. I it's mean, one of those where it's either you ask that question because the answer is either a lot <laughs> or none. Well, it's the obvious answer of none. But I also knew that you won this game, so I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I don't know, maybe you did 20. I don't yeah. Know. Maybe I'm, you rolled 26s. I <laughs> yeah. could. Well, no, he'd have to save them, which sure. AP0, it's all... AP zero is on your opponent. I know. Okay. So yeah, so that kind of helped turn the tide. Next turn, I like killed that. I'm moving forward. I'm in the, the middle, and that's about when the um, orbital, orbital bombardment happened. So our guy just came in. He asked for. A, he said, "Are you ready?" I, I said, "No." He said, "Okay. Well, give me a die anyway." Give me a die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and he he, I think he deliberately was tossing it to like the middle of the board, and yeah. he got there and he said, "Yeah, everyone within six inches of this takes d six mortals." Nice. And yeah. there was only two things close to it. I think it was talking. Yeah, it was, it was Chase that we're talking to uh, before the final awards. He said that when they did that, like they they threw it and they rolled it, and it landed next to like a unit of Necron warriors. So they like he like looked at him and then like pushed the die over into like the center where it was closer to a lot more units. Like <laughs> there from that point. <laughs> So that's yeah. kind of funny. No, it's just but, it's great that they were doing that like randomness for yes. the final games. So it was fun. But but the two it hit was the call and a I don't even know they they're like Mechanicum with swords and infiltrate and uh the, they're like the four they're not Skatari. No, the the, the oh, I forget what they're called. Yeah, I know which ones they are because they've got like the swords it's like that. They're the yes. infiltrators. Yes, yeah. they're really. Do you know they have five shots on pistols? Yes, I knew they had a yeah. I knew they had a lot. That because yeah, on the first turn the call went up and they assaulted them and I uh, whiffed, but they they didn't kill me much back until they got to their shooting phase. Yeah, and it was like fifteen or no, it was twenty mm-hmm. shots because I only killed one, and I was like twenty shots. I mean, they didn't. No, I think they killed another one. Yeah, because their shots aren't good, but it was just way to Wait. fire. I was like surprised, but so I'd gotten them down to they only had one left, and I had one call. Dice it there. Those are the only two guys that get hit. So he takes a mortal wound and just dies. Call takes, I think it was three mortal wounds and drops down from four to one. I'm like, okay, not what I wanted, but sure. Call's still in the middle. I can still get my fame. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that later. (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, I've, I've now taken kind of control of that side of the board. I'm threatening on the other side of the board. So I'm feeling pretty good about the middle still a little up in the air. And so then on the next turn, he has his robots kind of move up and they try and shoot the pioneers to death. I think they killed one. Call then goes in. Call kills one. So I've still got one pioneer sitting there. And Sakarian infiltrators. So, yes, infiltrators, because they have infiltrate. And, and the other ones are the Rust Stalkers. So it was one of those two. But yeah. <laughs> and so at this point, I guess that was no, the last turn they'd killed the two. He tried to walk past my pioneer, and I was wedged in that V position so well, he could not get by me either side without getting within an inch. Oh, wow. So he decided, well, we'll go around. And this is where I learned I love this rule of mechanics, even though I hated it at the time, which is, I'll call it a doctrine, but it doesn't go away. Yeah. And he was in the, I can advance and all my weapons are assault. Yeah. That's so nice. he had his robots advance away and then kind of get to where they were at the three Thunderkin that had just appeared. Yep. So he moved them over there, had them kind of camp out. They shot the Thunderkin really ineffectually. And he said, yeah, these guys shooting isn't good. Yeah. But because he advanced, he couldn't charge, which was the good thing. Cause next turn he did charge and they were gone. Yeah. It was like, I think 12 attacks each or something. It was a stupid amount. And it was like, wow, these guys are buff. Mm-hmm. So I knew they, I could not let them get to any of my other units. And thankfully he now had gone, since he went the long way, he was on the board edge. There was nothing for miles. Well, I shouldn't say miles, but a long way before yeah, they'd yeah. get to anybody else. So I'm like, good job, pioneer. You totally saved that side of the board. But yeah, so then call decides to, I've got a re-raise. I'll call it that. Yeah. Um, so I'll go in and immediately the last two of these destroyer guys, I, I whiffed. Ooh. He did zero damage. So they took him out. But he resurrected. But since I charged, that meant next turn was going to be theirs. So do you know what happened? What was that? What happened? Well, they charged him and he died. Ooh. I mean, long yeah. story short. I mean, the long pretty short, obvious ones. Yeah. Um, so oh. he had kind of gotten in the middle again by then. But at this time, Call taking care of the Pioneer. He starts coming around the side. I'm like, I was ignoring Call, but if he's going to start coming in, I'm going to have to take care of him. Uh, Call came in for melee on my Hearthguard that were on one of the points. Mm-hmm. Call is nasty in melee. He is. He's- I. He, it was like, er, you know how I talked about the Repulsor the other day? I'm like, mm-hmm. when are the guns going to stop? Yeah. I, I, I said that about Calls. When are his attacks going to stop? His melee, because he has one attack, I think two or three extra yeah. attacks. Because he has all those limbs and stuff. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense. Yeah. He actually took out, I think, three of the Hearthguard. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was buff. Hearthguard are are beefy. They are. I mean, because, yeah, and Call was one of the first people who made me say, oh, yeah, you you can't do the strength thing. But thankfully, I and here champions are also beefy. Yes. I put a hurting on Call, didn't kill him. But next turn, they fell back with a well-ordered retreat for a CP. And then I... Charged again and smashed him with a hammer quite easily because he failed two of his three saves and he was down to like three wounds. And it was just like, yeah. So took out call. And then he had a, the last guy that was with the destroyers because I then shot the rest of the destroyers except for the commander that was leading them. So he went over and joined, had joined call. And so then the next turn he fell down and I'm now like, I have this side very secure. Robots came by and they, they were threatening. And now we're on like, 
bottom of four when they did that. So then yeah. top of five, it looks like now I've, I've got most of the board. I yeah. took care of his little winged raptors or whatever they yeah, are. The, yeah. Cause they were, they were threatening, but their flamethrower guns just are very ineffectual, especially against armor. Yeah. And no, they're, they're meant for soft infantry for sure. And I mean, he tried to get there and he killed a couple of them, but. Then they fell. All my way to fire went, took out the rest of those. And so it was top of five. He got tabled. And then I, I had four of the things flipped to his one. So it was a hard fought victory, yeah. which if I had, if call had actually taken out the hearthkin, I would not have gotten that spot. Yeah. And he would have had three to my two, which would have been a victory for him. Yeah. So it was literally a close game until turn five. Yeah. That's the thing. Like all of the games that I played, all six of the games, uh, one of them wasn't really close just because. It just, it was kind of a total wash. But even though some of the scores in a lot of my other games were kind of blowouty, they were all pretty close and they all could have swung at key moments. I don't think there's really a moment in the Dark Angels game against the Deathwing Knights that really would have like, oh, this was the thing that would have changed it. Actually, that's not true. I think if I had been able to, on turn one, get charges with both of my units and get two units into melee with his Deathwing Knights on top of one, I might have been able to do more damage to make them ineffective the rest of the game. So even there, it's like, ah, maybe if this goes, right. the game's different. But It's a game of moments. Yeah, in all of the other ones, there were several key moments where like, okay, this happens or this happens, like this is, would swing it. And like that Grey Knights game, like there were several points where, the I, I actually I was saying earlier, I just remember this, like the Demon Prince didn't really do much except... He took down an armager in solo combat <laughs> and then almost took out the other one in solo combat. I mean, combat. that's a big story. Again. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, there, there were still these big things where it's like, and even then it was like, if combat was ordered, you know, a little bit differently, or if I had command points to interrupt, I could have taken the other one out. Like, you know, so little things like that. And then the whole game gets different. Or, you know, if he had positioned something slightly different, then, you know, then he wins bigger. But like, that's what I love about things is that the games and, and the, the missions that we played aren't the standard competitive missions, you right. know? So there's, they're a little bit more swingy in like the final scores. It's very swingy, but it's very narratively. Yeah. So you can find those moments. Cause remember how sometimes exactly. they talk about, it's about the story. It's about those yes. moments of grandeur, of victory, of just, wow. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what's out there. And that's it, exactly it, what this whole event was. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll, we, we, I think we talked about it as well earlier, but. On the sand, on our tables was a bit, a little bit of sand. Yes. <laughs> so I liked it, but it felt weird when you reached down and you touched the table and it's like, ooh, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My opponent, the Grey Knight player, had a completely magnetized Grey Knight army. And I told him, I was like, just be aware the sand or like the glitter that's in the Fivefold Forge was, is ferrous. So if you set your models down in it, you were going to pick a bunch of it up. So yeah, he was, he was cleaning the bottom of his, like all the, the stuff off his magnets. Yeah, the tactile feel of the tables was yeah. great. Yeah, just really, like, top-notch presentation. All of the people who, who were the Lords of War and the pack leaders all were in character for the most part yep. the whole time. We talked about it in the final debriefing and the awards and stuff. All of them, like, made their own costumes, like, yeah. kind of did their own character stuff. So, like, all of that was very, yeah, very cool. Very well thought out. So, So congrats to everybody that put this on. It was a great event. Zach, who kind yeah. of coordinated a lot of it. Definitely call out to him for being the brains <sighs> behind it. Yeah. And as he even said in the, the final moments, 
He's already working on next year's because yep. for me, I've done LARP planning before. Yep. And I, and the funny thing is I compared this to a LARP. Yo, absolutely. And it feels like, cause I worked on staff you and we had our like people. Sons like, of bitches. You got me to, you got me to LARP. <laughs> Gosh darn it. No. And like we, we had staff, like we, since it was a convention, we had yeah. like a staff member kind yeah. of guiding each room and this did the same thing. Absolutely. There was a story that you coordinated between all your NPCs. Absolutely. This did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when we finished our one for one year, we took a month off, yep, and then we started planning the next year's. Yeah, well, I mean, even when we do Midwest Conquest, which is an event a fifth as complex as this, yes, like, so much less complex, we still spend a year planning it. You know, there are conversations going on the whole time about how to plan things. There's stuff being worked on. I've got a list of all the things that I'm going to be making on my printer. We've got a list of all of the stuff that we're going to do for, you know, the crusade uh, event that we're doing next year. So like we're planning all this stuff out and like, yeah, it's a lot. Like it's a commitment. So, so definitely yeah. shout out to Zach. Yeah. The entire events team from Games Workshop. Yes. Thank you for putting this on yeah. and getting people to come out here because. Without your guys' work, you wouldn't draw the fans. Yeah. And I know a lot of times they say it's for the, fa- it, the fa- because of the fans. Yeah. It's, it's symbiotic. Absolutely. The fans yeah. are needed, but so is the staff. Well, and, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I just want to reiterate it again. You know, the hobby can be very, like, focused on competitive play. You know, GW's Meta Watch does this. A lot of the podcasts, a lot of video blogs talk about competitive, competitive, competitive. What's the meta? And an event like this is good to get people who don't necessarily want something different, want the option of something different. And hopefully this goes and this inspires those people to get narrative crusade events in their local communities, play more garage hammer, do more things that are not just competitive play and competitive play is fine. There's a great place for it. That's also driving the growth of the game. Right. But I think something like this can drive, can find a different audience and drive the growth of the game in a different direction. Well, and just like you're saying for, for growth, I'd say about half to two thirds of the people here went to Albuquerque last year. Yeah. And yeah. on the little discord servers they have for this, I'm seeing so many people that said, this is my first time. I can't wait for next yeah. year. Yeah. So exactly. I, I have a feeling this is going to grow. I hope that doesn't mean they'll have to put a cap on it. Cause that would yeah. be sad. Yeah. But with that said, let's see how things wrapped up. Yeah. So oh, actually before we get to the wrap up, uh, one shout out, I wanted to just, uh, I met with Sergeant Steele, who was in the Pact of Resistance, or Pact of Enlightenment, sorry, I always get this confused, Pact of Enlightenment. Uh, he was a Cadian sergeant, had like a full Cadian cosplay. And I, I walked up and was like, this looks cool. And I started asking questions and he recognized my voice. <laughs> so if you're listening, your costume's awesome. I really liked, really liked the design. Like I said, I want to try to do something for next year, but we've got a year to, I got a year to figure all that out. But just wanted to give a shout out there because- yeah, it was great. I was like, somebody recognized me like by the voice when I walked up. And I was like, like I, I was like, hey, you know, I just want to ask you a question. He's like, Kevin. I'm like, what? I, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the wrap up. There were a few awards that were given out. Which battle group won? Eight. I battle believe. group eight. So it was a pact of mm-hmm. enlightenment battle group that won most effective best overall battle group. And then it was battle group 22, the court of depredation that won the least effective award. Chase Garber won Most Infamous from Goonhammer. I forget who won Most Famous. It was a Chaos player. was like the hero of the event. We got to change that next year. It wasn't a Chaos player. It was an Orc player. Oh, well, then that's fine. Pact of Annihilation. There was a thing for Best Cosplay. It was a guy that had a full Inquisitor cosplay. It was awesome. Amazing. 
And then the guy who won best army or like best theme, he had the Exodite. Yes, the one that you wood elf armor that we talked about yesterday. Yes. And that's absolutely was like a great looking army. Best painted was an Iron Hands army, I believe. I don't, I'm not sure what his army was. I think it was Iron Hands. So all, all of this will be posted on the blog as well on the, the Warhammer community page. And then we got to the wrapping up of the narrative. First came in was the Pact of Annihilation leader. Came in and was given his thing. And I was like, yeah, you know, we've completed our objective. We've shackled the abominable intelligence. You know, and we're like, yeah, souls for the soul forge. He's like, yes. Yours. Yours. Because <laughs> lo and behold, chaos is tricky and I sacri- I'm sacrificing you to power this thing. Oh no, I never thought lions would eat my face. <laughs> you know? uh, so everybody that was, you know, Vashtor barked is being fed to the soul fort. So I'm canonically dead. So you're talking um, to a ghost. Yeah, you were talking to a ghost. Ghost Kevin. Uh, so that was pretty cool. We collected the abominable intelligence for Vashtor and got off the planet with that. And then the pack of resistance came up. She basically. Oh my, yeah. Yeah. Full ascension to Zinch demonhood. Full mask. The face was amazing. So cool. So she's completed her path to demonhood, allowed people that would follow the Zinch to get off the planet and follow her. So she was able to get off the planet, you know, as a demon prince. Didn't get the intelligence, but escaped, which is what she wanted to do, and manipulated all the other stuff. And then we get to the Pact of Enlightenment, and I'll let you... Sure. This definitely brought things to a culmination, because we Commissar came in. With the other room NPCs that were loyal to the Imperium. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was one thing. <laughs> the Dark Mechanicum and the Servitor of Lords of War left with the Pact of Annihilation leader to go work for the Dark Forges for Vashtor. And so this one was like the, the priest was the main one. And I'm going to call him the Rambo guy. Yeah, the Cadian. <laughs> or the, the not Cadian. Catachan. Rambo. Yeah, Rambo. <laughs> Sly Marbo. Yeah. And then they led in the Inquisitor in chains. Yes. And she pretty much said he had fallen. He wasn't worthy of his armor. He does not deserve any respect. The only thing worthy for him to preserve things in the Emperor's name is death. And then she pulled out a gun. And yeah. even on the slides, mm. it showed a yeah. little blood splotch. Yeah. So it was it was a nice little touch. Yeah. And it was a nice little thing because even from the beginning, he seemed... Off? He was the crazy one. He yes. was the craziest person, yes. And the other two people were somebody who now works for Vashtor and somebody who ascended to full demonhood. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> he was the crazy one. But the Commissar seemed the most level-headed yes. of all of them. Yeah. The priest got better as things went on, but yeah. early on the priest was kind of a little crazy too. Sure, sure, He was sure, just, sure. well, fanatical, not crazy. Fanatical. That's eh. a better word. Same. Same but, difference. So we did get a nice fitting ending, even for yeah. Enlightenment. Well, and you kind of mentioned yesterday. I, I don't think it was when we were recording. I think it was just when we were talking about when you were running, you know, like doing LARPs before, that the NPCs would have these competitions amongst themselves, and like these games within the games. And I do wonder if that was like a thing amongst the different Lords of War. Like, who on the Imperium side was going to win enough to be able to challenge the Inquisitor? Like, I, I wonder how much of that was driven by, like, the results and the narrative, or how much of that was just kind pre-planned yeah. and, you know... Because all of this is going to be canon into, you know, going forward into Redacted Codex, I assume. I don't. Redacted is a long way away. Sure, but, like, I, I think I mean, Redacted will, is too soon. I think this will be longer. Maybe. I, I think this will feed into some yeah, of that. Well, uh, with, like I said, and feed into some of that with the other after it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And like I said, who knows what we're redact- we don't we don't know what the redacted codex is. We have our ideas, and I think it's a little bit clearer after this. We're, now that we're, Vashtor's we're, again, we're, we're, in the, we're you thinking know. Dark Mechanicum. Yeah, I think since Vashtor <laughs> is coming up again and is a key was, part of this, I think it's, I was still hoping for Emperor's Children. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think. Come on, Fulgrim, we're waiting. <laughs> um, and then uh, overall, the Pact of Resistance, or yep. the Pact of Fate. Yep, they, they changed the name from it. Resistance to Fate. And apparently she did go around giving strings. She gave yeah, gifts yeah, to she people. she gave gifts to people. So that was Who cool. knows what these do? I mean, they're probably each giving you charms that oh, each sure. can control you with. For sure. <laughs> the, the interactivity between the whole thing, the people that came in their own costumes and made their own stuff, the thematic armies, the fact that legends were in play... When balance isn't a factor, you can have fun missions that are swingy, but thematic and fun, and you can let people bring the toys they want to bring, including a warlord titan, or warlord, warhound titan if they want to. Took and, it down. And just have fun, because it doesn't matter. Winning and losing isn't the objective. You're just part of the bigger thing, and like that was, is what's so fun about this. Right. It's like you're able to play games, enjoy the hobby, and not have that pressure of you know winning and losing. And again, nothing yeah. wrong with people that, that want to play competitively. I like competitive play, and, but and yeah. I'll say for the six games I played, not a single band opponent. I had so much fun playing all Absolutely. of them. And I think they did too. And I'll say, once again, the only one I felt pressure in, I'm using air quotes you can't see, yeah. was game one. But that was just because of time crunch. Yeah. Well, and, and even game one for me, like I was playing an opponent who was knew his army pretty well and like wanted to talk. And it was like, it was a big horse heresy player. So he was talking about the narrative and like. Yeah, so it was like still very, even though that game went a little bit, you know, felt a little crunched, I think that was more just the mechanics of getting set up and getting the first game going. Right, totally. But after that. Yeah, it was smooth for all other five. And I'll I'll say once again, we've said some of this before, but shout outs to the command staff and the others for using the Discord for getting us the info we needed ahead of time. Yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Yes, there were hiccups. Sometimes sure. things had to get replanned and repositioned. That's understandable. Sure. I mean, that happens, yeah. I also noticed today, especially, they told defenders to get to their tables first and had us wait so attackers could oh, look around okay. and decide to switch cards. Oh, interesting. No one really did. Yeah. And so that, I think some people did throughout the weekend, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it was as successful in getting people to switch. Like when we did yeah. US Open at KC. It was, you'd get with your people, you'd plan it. You'd but here, it out, yeah. there were so many people so said... so big, you just couldn't do that. Well, yeah. here, there were so many people that said, well, this is my fate. Yeah. I want to follow it. Yeah. And so that's... Sure. The, the cards were wonderful, but I think in that regards, they kind of yeah. hindered that aspect of trying to find the matchup you want. I will say this, because um, I really do like the cards. Yes. The cards themselves are really cool. Oh, yes. I'm keeping mine. I want GW to make a deck of those cards to sell. I get why they didn't want to do that here because there's only ten. Well, if you sold the decks, then you have all the cards. And oh, then you could, so like I get that from a logistical standpoint. That's I get why they didn't do it. Maybe cards with different backs or something like different way of doing. It. Like I don't know. I would love even if it's not even at the event. Like I just would love to see those cards because those cards were high quality. The oh, art's yes. amazing. I really do hope they sell those at some point because the, they're very cool. The other thing is I, it was hinted at that the cards might mean something later. Yeah. And I never saw that. I never did either. So yeah. I don't know what that was about, whether it was just the switching of things, Yeah, but I would have enjoyed if each of the cards had actually meant something in maybe games sure. four or five, like end of day two or start of day three, mm-hmm. have something happen for each different yeah. card. Yeah. 
The one thing I will say, though, with the cards and with the battle groups and the different rooms, there were a lot of different combinations. So not everybody got to every room. Not everybody, you know, several people like were like, I've played in this room three times or whatever. And like, well, that kind the, of, the Fivefold Forge or, had 40 tables. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, somebody that played, you know, Space Marines a bunch and like, you know, things like that. There's always, there's a lot of different possibilities and combinations of how that, and I think for the most part that worked pretty well to be able to make sure that people weren't playing the same matchups. Right. And on the same tables too, because I know in between games three and four, a lot of the rooms, they moved the cards around to get that variety in case you got put back there. And then in theory, I'm saying in theory again, if you had a same matchup, you could swap cards yes. to play someone different. I think True. that was the original intention. Yeah. It's just I don't think people are swapping cards. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Tarot card system was a very interesting idea. I don't know that it was necessarily worked the way it was intended. What may have been easier, I don't. maybe there's other things that we don't know that went into this, have your battle group show up to a battle zone. So like in the Fivefold Forge, they had it divided up into four different like zones. Have your group show up in the zone, and then, yeah, if you were the defenders, go, to your go there. And then kind of do, like, what we did in Kansas City, where you get to pick, but pick within, like, your smaller groups. And I think also more things like that, as you mentioned, would have also gotten more communication and more planning amongst your battle right. groups. Right, because, yeah, there were some battle groups like ours. They, they like, we had four guys from Houston. They were very yep. friendly, but they kind of stayed amongst themselves, and we were very quiet group well and then there's also ones that were very tight-knit so like battle group 16 uh, i think i took some pictures when we were doing the army showcase they all had an army display that fit together they all coordinated and i don't know if they're all from the same group if they're from the same city they're friends or not but like they all had a unified this is our battle group display okay that's pretty awesome clearly there were some battle groups that were a lot tighter and like they they played last year the battle group that i was in most of them played last year. They won best battle group. So <laughs> sorry, I let you down. My fault. <laughs> it was very interesting to like see how some of these were. And like you have access to all of the channels of the battle groups in the Pact of Annihilation. And I, I had access to all of them for Enlightenment. Yeah, and there were some that were a lot more active. Yes. So, you know, I don't know. There's always going to be that. I don't know how much the battle groups will switch between this year and next. Maybe don't they know. will, maybe they won't. Don't know. You know. The only thing um, I'd say is if you did something like that, Build in like 10, 15 minutes in your plan, yeah. plot planning time to let them yeah. have that time to go to tables and then yeah. plan and set up. Yeah. Because, and this is mostly for the morning sessions. Yeah. Especially day one. <laughs> this is all just spitballing and stuff. Because, again, we've ran events, so there's always room for improvement. Oh, yeah. The way that the schedule kind of worked on all of these days is briefings were at 9. Yes. And then usually the first match would start at 9.30 Yeah, You could almost push those out like another half hour. That would put lunch a little bit late. But I like, was thinking was, the other way. Well, there was time. Well, because there's time at the end between yes. the last game and like about two hours before preview or the briefings or, right. you know, whatever the final thing was. So those first couple of days, especially give a little bit more time in the morning before the matches start go a little bit later potentially to just have more mingling time. And I get it. Like not everyone, not every battle group is necessarily even going to do that because some battle not groups. Everybody, and not everybody's as social as other people. Exactly. And some of those battle groups, like I was seeing someone there, like they went out for dinner Thursday night as a group before the event started. 
in in my battle group, some of the people didn't fly in until you know till Thursday night. Right. So like you know, it's always yeah. Like ours talked about doing something, but yeah. we never got anything organized. So I went out with Kevin for dinner yeah. on Saturday, so, Saturday night, yeah. <laughs> and so, we had fun, didn't we, Kevin? Absolutely, both at dinner so, and at this event. So I will say this, <laughs> and this is a thing that I think we should think about for next year. They did say that they're working on next year's. They did not say when or where. We'll see that announcement when you know when it's made. If it is here in Atlanta, wherever it is, Dennis and I are like, we want to go. We're, we're going to try to commit again. to going next year. If we do and we commit early, what we should do is we should preferred enemies group. do like a preferred enemies meetup Thursday night or like one of the nights. Oh, I was like, thinking okay. we should all join the same battle group. Well, no, it's like I, I would, <laughs> it would actually like let me know if there's interest in that. Like, hey, let's do. I'm like, interested. You know, let's do a, a. Let's just say, for example, I have and this is I have no insight to this. If it's here in Atlanta again, within walking to the hotel, there are several pubs or several yeah. places for dinner. Would people be interested in like, okay, Thursday night or Friday night, let's let's meet up somewhere and have like a group get together? Like, I don't know. Is that something that people would be interested in? I don't know. If you are, please let us know. Like, let and us if, know if that's something you'd be interested in. And if everyone wants to play Voton so we can get Kevin to finally put his together, let us know too. <laughs> it is in the works. <laughs> I just got the notification that the Christmas box that I've ordered <laughs> shipped. So I should have it uh, next week sometime. Because, okay. so. I mean, we only had four Voton. We need more. That is true. <laughs> need more. Need more stunties. All right. Well, this is going super long. This is going to be a nightmare to edit. So I apologize again to Rob <laughs> or possibly myself as I'm editing this. By the way, if this is edited poorly, that was my fault. I do not apologize. Overall, we're going to say wonderful event. Yes. We are both, well, I shouldn't speak for him, but so glad we came out here. So glad we finally did it. We were encouraged to go last year. We just didn't have the funding and yeah. the time. And so I, this year, by jumping in like back in May, we, we could have the time. We had the funding. We could finally make it. And it was worth coming. I was in Albuquerque the first night of the Grand Narrative, but that was because I was driving a U-Haul from Kansas City back to Phoenix. So it just didn't work out. But yeah, glad we did it this year. I want to commit to doing it going forward. And definitely yeah. thanks command staff. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Games Workshop event yes. staff. We had a blast. We hope you continue doing this. And we'll see you guys all next year. All right. I've, Rob always does the exit, so I don't know how this works. But uh, So good I, night, good, good gaming, and go to that grand narrative. See any one of us remember it. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.